Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 195 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you today? I'm doing good, Joe. I'm happy to be back on our normal recording schedule since we recorded last, like, six months ago, it feels like. Right. Was it a baseball game last time, or was it another secret traveling day for you? (laughs) It was my super secret covert attempt to pop Ed Cody, despite the fact that Jay Gold went and ruined the surprise. And uh, But yeah, I went to AIW this past week. Right, and I did, so... I, I I call into the Pod Van Dam boi- voicemail quite often these days. Yes, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I called in like the Wednesday after we, or the Thursday that after whatever the episode came out last week, because the episode usually usually doesn't come out until I bully Jonas uh, on social media to release the episodes for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I called then knowing that they wouldn't hear the call until after they would have seen you at the show. Yeah, but. We'll get into my my Ohio exploits later in the show, but it's it's good to be back, Joe. Yeah, I'm glad you had fun. Um, was it you and Dave who went out? Uh, no, my buddy Rob, who uh, oh, okay. he came to like an LVAC show or two, and he went with me last year to the same thing to a major announcement in Toy Ohio last summer. Right, and we'll we'll cover all of Adam's weekend exploits in the appropriate segments in which they would fall into. Absolutely. And uh, now let's get the show rolling here because I feel though this can be a nice lean two plus hour show. <laughs> yeah. And now, at odds with wrestling presents this day in wrestling history. So on this day, wrestling history, uh, 1994. World Championship Wrestling held their Clash of the Champions event. Okay. Uh, you know, rather rather straightforward, pre-Hulk Hogan, about to become a Hulk Hogan promotion. Uh, this was the main event of uh, Ric Flair as the WCW World Champion, taking on Sting, who was the WCW International World Heavyweight Champion, uh, to unify the two titles so Hogan can beat Flair for the title at the pay-per-view next month. Um, but this was when Sherry came out, like she had been teasing of who her new man was going to be. She comes out, she's wearing the Sting face paint. Uh, so they're like, oh, she's obviously with Sting. And they do a bit where Sting goes to do a big, like, piscato to the outside and Flair pulls Sherry in fr- front of her. And, like, Sherry just, like, eats shit. And, like, takes, like, a top... Like, I mentioned it, like, a week or two ago when we talked about Sherry's passing. And I just saw the gif of it all day today. And I'm like, that was, like, a man-ass bump. Like, like Sherry got flattened on that because Sting was a big motherfucker, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But this was... And that, you know, this was that whole thing. And then Hogan comes out and is roundly booed by the WCW faithful. Like, they knew what was going on. Like, they knew that this was their attempt, essentially for like the third time in five years to WWF eyes world championship wrestling and like bringing in Hogan was like the biggest sign of that. Hogan was about to come in and and just squash all their favorites. Yeah. And like flair was going to be shunted down the card in favor of like your honky tonk mans and Jim Duggins and brother brutize and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And like, I still followed man, but like that, like, I knew Flair was going to lose at the pay-per-view the following month. Um, but, and like I said, I would follow, you know, in the early days of the internet, this was like 94, 95, 96-ish. 
Uh, but I would also follow through the magazines. But after the Batch of the Beach pay-per-view, I didn't start watching WCW again until Scott Hall showed up on Nitro. Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, like I, I dabbled a little bit in WCW, but until Hogan re- rode that Red Viper through Universal Studios, oh. I wasn't in. That's when, <laughs> that's when I was like, okay, this is a real promotion here. <laughs> right. Now they got a real star. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, also uh, on this day in wrestling history, 1996, uh, the World Wrestling Entertainment held uh, King of the Ring on pay-per-view from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, Adam, this is uh, Austin 316. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Interesting card up and down the lineup there with uh, Austin beating Mark Marrow and then Jake Roberts in the final. Uh, you know, Jake getting the win over Vader, which is like crazy. It's like Vader, I think, would go on to take on Sean in the main event of SummerSlam like two months later. Um, Warrior against Lawler, Mankind, uh, Mick Foley beating The Undertaker. And I don't know, do you listen to the Mick Foley podcast as part of the Conrad verse? I, I don't, but I hear a lot of good things about it. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, if you like Mick Foley just kind of like waxing poetic for like three hours a week, then it's the <laughs> show for you. Yeah, uh, but he he he's fond to bring up that um, of all the times that him and Undertaker fought, if you look at all of them, like house show, TV, whatever, uh, pay-per-view, his record against The Undertaker is probably two and 98. <laughs> but the two wins were on pay-per-view, so they mean more. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, uh, Ahmed Johnson winning the Intercontinental Championship from Goldust. More on that later. Um, and then Austin, you know, winning the King of the Ring and cutting the famous promo. And, um, you know, they'll, they will have you believe World Wrestling Entertainment. They like kind of, um, they kind of, uh, you know, and it was even like years later, um, not even like now here, 20 plus years later, um, they would spin this narrative. It's like Austin wins the king of the ring and he cuts the promo and the next night he's the biggest star in wrestling no yeah definitely it took a little bit you know so he wrestles like the next night on raw but it's like a weird like tough man competition match where it's like him versus vader and they just kind of like go to like a no contest and then he's not on the july pay-per-view uh he wrestles yokozuna on the free-for-all of SummerSlam. Where he wins because Yokozuna's too fat and broke the top rope. <laughs> and then it's not until Brett decides to come back in September that they start angling things to do Austin versus Brett. And that's when it really starts to pick up. Yeah, I feel like it's just my memory of it. My timeline could be off, but the double turn at Mania, you know, where Austin doesn't tap out to... Uh, the sharpshooter, I feel like that to me is when his superstardom started. Right. Know? So that was, it's solidified, right? There was no turning back. But it, like I said, it's like a good three months from him cutting this promo before they decide to do anything with him. Yeah. Well, they still weren't sure if the uh, Bible thump and Jake still had some legs left. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, Mar- All American Mark Henry was where their money was, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 1997, we have our head-to-head Nitros and Raw, right? Mm-hmm. Nitro is just like another, like, whatever show. Um, angle-wise, this is the beginning. This episode of Nitro is the beginning of heel Eddie Guerrero. Okay. Um, he comes out. He's got the greasy mullet. He's abusing Chavo and that sort of thing. And other than that, like, it's a whatever Nitro, you know? 
Um, Raw, I'm, on the other hand. I was just saying, I see Alex Wright on there on the card, and I'm doing the little dance here. You can't see oh, it. Oh, good. Because we're on video, but I'm doing the dance. <laughs> uh, so on Raw, um, you know, we have the beginning of Shawn Michaels has left again. And Justified, I'm sure. Ma- right. And Mankind is actively positioning petitioning for Steve Austin to pick him as his new tag team partner coming out wrestling in Stone Cold Steve Austin's shirts, wearing a sign around his neck that says, pick me, Steve. Uh, and Steve Austin makes it very clear that he would never tag with a scarred up freak like mankind <laughs> very clear never happened right yeah now the other thing that happens on this monday night raw now because we recorded early and the timelines didn't line up or whatever it was uh so last week's monday night raw was the debut of the new nation of domination where farouk kicks uh savio and crush and clarence and everyone out right Mm-hmm. The only person he keeps is D'Lo, um, and he brings in Kama Mustafa as the newest member of the Nation of Domination. Okay. Uh, Kama Mustafa, the Godfather, Papa Shango, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So that night, the main event of Raw is Kama and Farouk taking on The Undertaker and Ahmed Johnson. Kama gets a clean pinfall victory over, at the time, World Wrestling Federation champion Undertaker. And then after the match, Ahmed Johnson turns on the Undertaker and joins the Nation of Domination, who he had been feuding with for well over a year at this point. Well, I mean, if Finn Balor can join the the, the Wish version of House of Black, then anything is possible. Okay, so that brings us to this week's episode of Raw. So Nation of Domination comes out. Ahmed cuts the promo and he says the line that him joining the nation of domination is like Martin Luther King joining up with Malcolm X. Uh, Crush brings out eight ball and skull to debut uh, the disciples of apocalypse on this episode. Uh, They get into a They set up for the next pay-per-view Canadian stampede that Ahmed Johnson is going to take on the undertaker uh, for the title they have a big brawl with the Disciples of Apocalypse. During the brawl, Ahmed blows out his knee and is on the shelf for a year. <laughs> and when he comes back, he's just like a baby face again. Like, none of this ever happened. Yeah, I I, I honestly don't remember this because it's a blink and you miss it type of yes, thing. Yes, <laughs> because everything else, like, all the other pieces were just moving so quick. I think we're, pro- and again, I don't want to, I think we're like a week or two away from... Mark Henry and The Rock joining the nation. Okay. Um, but that's coming up like real, real soon. All right. Uh, last but not least, 2002, uh, another WWE King of the Ring uh, pay-per-view. This is Brock winning uh, King of the Ring, where they just had the, like the semifinals and finals on the pay-per-view. And this was also like unofficially official like it had been unofficial since like 1995 that the winner of the king of the ring uh gets or since 94 when owen won it was unofficial that the winner of the king of the ring gets the title shot at SummerSlam. right it was unofficial it just kind of sort of always happened that way yeah okay uh but this was the first king of the ring where they explicitly said uh the winner of the king of the ring gets the title match at SummerSlam. 
Um, but yeah, man, like Brock was like on the rise. Um, you know, the big strap the rocket to him. Um, next big thing. Was that? The next big thing, right? Yeah, definitely. And, the, you know, the other thing, you know, you probably saw a lot of gifts of it going around today was the uh, the Kurt Angle versus Hulk Hogan stuff. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else for this day in history? Uh, so I had a couple other things on the list that weren't wrestling related, but I just wanted to bring up. Oh, well, I have one really big wrestling related one that you seem to be glossing over. Oh, okay. And that is that on this day in wrestling history 33 years ago today. Wait a Jessica minute. That's Mc- way that's way before wrestling started for you. How do you know this? It's you know what? Sometimes you have to know these things when they're important enough. And that is that on this day Jessica McKay, aka Billy Kay was born. Oh. <laughs> come on. <laughs> that's a very important holiday for a couple of us. That's important for like two people. <laughs> Those are two good people though. Uh, but I just wanted to throw out there, uh, this day, 1991, the first Sonic the Hedgehog game came out. Okay, I had it. I had it. And I think everyone probably had that. And yep. uh, on this day in 1989, uh, the Michael Keaton Batman movie came out. Okay. I didn't see it in theaters, I don't think. I had to wait until it was like a, a rentable on VHS for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously I saw this in theaters. I was a comic book kid. Um, you know, it was a big deal. But if I remember, this was one of the very first, if not the first, um, specifically priced to sell VHS tapes. You know, yeah. you could always buy a VHS tape. You could, you know, you go to your rental place and they would have a thing that would say, like, you could buy a rental, like a, a videotape for like 50 to 70 to 80 to 90 bucks, right? Yeah. But this was, I remember like buying this at Hills for like nine ninety seven. Uh, like right around Christmas time of 1989. Yeah. I distinctly remember this phenomenon because like when T2 first came out on VHS, my local yeah. blockbuster was selling it for a hundred dollars and I was devastated. <laughs> and crazy. I remember my, I remember my first VHS I was able to buy at like a reasonable price and it was home alone. Oh, okay. You know, it might've been like 20 bucks or something like that. But Yeah. But I remember the bat, like this, this Batman was the, th- one of the more quicker turnarounds of a VHS, again, a movie coming out in June and being available, I think, like for sale, like November, December time of that same year. Um, and then being like low price. It was like suggested retail price, 1999 or see your local retailer. So everybody was like selling it for like super cheap or like bring this coupon in or buy it on this certain day or whatever it was. And I probably still have this Batman VHS at my house. <laughs> See, I was not smart enough to understand that like everything old would come around again. And when I uh, moved out of my last apartment into my house, I left all my VHSs behind. I was like, "Fuck you guys, you deal with this." <laughs> you know? uh, I have probably like five giant Rubbermaid bins in my basement. Yeah, that's full of like any VHS that came in like a like a a printed sleeve that like I bought the retail version of. Um, and I have like all of my taped off of TV commercials edited out, uh, ECW TV from 1994 to 1997. I still have all of those. Um, and then a lot of the, um, custom comp tapes that I made for myself, I still have, but it was less of me thinking like, oh, this stuff is going to be worth something like 30 years down the road, nostalgia thing. And it's just more of me being a pack rat. 
Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I I do regret throwing away like my childhood copy of the Goonies and childhood copy of Transformers the movie and all that stuff. And uh, I would if I ever found like a good, I, maybe sealed copy if I had a lot of money, but like just a good copy of Transformers the movie, I'd pull the trigger on on VHS. Is that something that goes for a lot of money these days? Um, I've never found like the 1986 one uh like sealed i always find like oh here's the 1989 copy here's the 1994 copy so i don't think uh the, my last couple ebay searches i haven't been able to find it uh, but i haven't checked in a while so like i'm looking at your screen right now that top one is the canadian one where yeah they, where they say shit in it and oh. i i had that and i was like i don't want this and it was sealed and i sold it on ebay for like five bucks uh so i lost on that but i don't know like the the, the one i need is a cardboard slip case yeah yeah but i digress yeah like you know i'm looking at ones they're not in great shape i'm seeing like 30 bucks 35 bucks yeah it's gotta be sealed if i'm gonna buy it yeah i get you i get you all right so that's this day in wrestling history and some actual like pop culture history as well yeah, well, because we're a lifestyle brand show, Joe. Oh yes, remember when that was a thing? <laughs> Still, remember when they had remember when they had other shows in the pod on, on the podcast network, and they said, "Hey, send us your request, and maybe we'll add you to the network." And that worked out great for all those people, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, time will tell. <laughs> right. Exactly. Still got another like two hundred more shows for they for them to decide, right? Mm-hmm. All right, on to this week, Joe. Yeah, so what would you like to talk about from this past week in wrestling history? Uh, I'm going to do this one first, not because I'm most excited about it, but just because I feel like it happened so long ago. And I just want to talk about Vince McMahon coming out on WWE programming and just, like, being nonsensical in his appearances. And the fact that he's out there is the WWE just basically putting a big middle finger up to anybody who might have some problem with Vince paying somebody hush money. Um, you know, obviously it started on SmackDown when he came out and he just basically said, you know, our tagline is then now forever together, which surprised me because I didn't know they added the together on there. Uh, but then when he came out on raw to celebrate raws, uh, 1,517th episode of Travaganza and to promote Cena. And I was like, oh, Cena's on this episode. But he was promoting Cena being on the show next week. Right. Which, again, I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And I don't follow him on Twitter, nor do I recommend, but I saw the tweet from Brian Gortz where he said it would be a great idea just to have Vince McMahon come out every single episode and just talk more and more nonsense, like have him come out next week and just say, tonight only, Shop WWE has 30% off of t-shirts and just leave. Like, I want to see how far they go with this, but at the same time, like, fuck you, Vince, for, for just coming out and being on TV. Like, it's not reading the room. And also, fuck the WWE universe for like 85%, 90% of them cheering the shit out of him as he was coming out. Like, hey, that's our guy. You're like, we believe in you, Vince. You know, fuck the mainstream media. Like, I hate that mentality. Uh, so, fuck Vince McMahon. But at the same time, I hope this gets more and more weird weekly. Yeah, I didn't see the Brian Gewertz, uh tweet. That's how he likes to pronounce his last name. Uh, um, but... I would not – so when they, they hyped up that Vince was going to be on SmackDown this week, and I'm like, oh, my God, is this going to be like, uh, you know, Cure for the Common Show, um, 1997 Vince cutting a promo, 
um, you know, saying how like there's shades of gray and the, like essentially announcing the attitude era. Is this going to be like the weird New York exclusive things where he bashed the local papers for dragging his name through the mud during the <laughs> steroid trials? Or like, is this going to be something else? Because yeah. Vince is crazy and old. Now, I didn't get a chance to see the SmackDown thing live, but I just saw the reaction of everyone of like, oh, it was nothing. Right. So I'm like, I'm not going to watch it. Fuck that. Right. Fuck Vince. Um, I did see that very quickly, World Wrestling Entertainment did turn comments off specifically on only that video. Okay. Um, the only part of SmackDown that I watched this week, though, was the uh, the Max Dupree segment. Uh, still no male model, Max and male models, but I'm still waiting, right? <laughs> have you been checking your mailbox? You're like your I, inbox. I have been. I check my spam folder. I don't know. I, I check I check my email any day. Has anything come in from Hagerstown, Maryland? Sadly, no. <laughs> um, but then he comes out on Raw to open up the show. And I just happen to be like, here, why? I'm like, all right, it's the opening of the show. Let's see what Vince does. And like, I know, Adam, this might surprise you. Vince looks bad. <laughs> He's looked bad for a long time, but yeah. Like, so he looks, it's one thing to see Vince in a backstage Heavily produced, heavily edited, uh, probably multiple time rehearsed backstage segment. And he's sitting down and not moving or standing. But it's another thing to see, like, Vince, like, very, like, scarily get into the ring and then talk off script for, like, a period of time. And then very strangely try to exit the ring where it looked like he got caught in the ropes trying to get out. And yeah. then he does the weird leap off the steps. He's got hops. <laughs> no, he's got he's got something. Um, <laughs> but I'm with you and I'm with Brian Gewertz that I would just have Vince come out every week. Fuck it. Yeah. Let's put him out there on TV every week. And I think this might be World Wrestling Entertainment's strategy to, strategy to show that if and when this comes to trial, that Vince is in no condition to stand trial. Yeah, he's unfit. He's not of sound yes. mind. This is gonna be this is gonna be called into court's evidence to show um how bad of shape Vince is in. Plus, if you trot him out there like at the beginning of every Raw, every SmackDown from now until like whenever, like statistically, there's a pretty good chance we might see him die on live television. See, which that's is also what everyone is saying. <laughs> um, but I don't think Vince would give his haters, and there's lots of them, um, even though they're not in the crowd. Those people, it's one thing to cheer Vince, but like the people that are like bowing to 2022 Vince. Yeah. They're like, hey, this 77-year-old man who could barely talk and stand, he's my idol. He's the guy I look up to the most. I don't know. Anyway. And most of those people in the crowd weren't alive when Vince was making good wrestling. Right. You know? <laughs> Um, and then, like, obviously, since we last recorded, so all this stuff happens. Stephanie is now the acting CEO of World Wrestling Entertainment, but Vince has, and Vince has stepped down. Um, but then Vince is still head of creative. Uh, Johnny Ace hasn't been at TV in the last week. I think Johnny Ace is being set up as the fall guy in all of this to save Vince's ass. And Did then I see it, something that Brother Love is replacing Johnny Ace? And then and then poor my poor sweet Brucey, who's at home recovering from rotator cuff surgery, 
probably hepped up on goofballs, is now with the job that he hates the most, head of <laughs> talent relations. <laughs> and I, I've been uh, like, and Adam, I know you're going to be surprised by this, but I've been keeping track of how far behind they are on announced episodes of Bruce's podcast and released episodes of Bruce's podcast. <laughs> you? That doesn't seem like you, but go ahead. <laughs> I'll just say I've had some help with the announcements, and uh-huh. I do have someone double-check my work once once every two months just to make sure. Uh, but Bruce's podcast is like a monthly podcast now. And like every week they're like, hey, on an upcoming episode, Bruce is going to talk about Triple H's run in 1994 to 1995. If you have any questions, let Bruce know. And I think that was a tweet. And I'm just, I was just picking a random one, you know? Yeah. I got a whole laundry list of them here. Holy uh, shit, you do. I do. <laughs> but like, okay, so the the Triple H one was first mentioned as coming out uh, almost two months ago, May 1st. Um, And then it's just like, they just keep teasing these episodes and teasing these episodes. And like, they're never going to come out. You know, like, Bruce is done with the podcast. They keep releasing, like, these jam-up best-of episodes, which are fine if you've never heard them. But, like, Bruce was, like, the flagship of the Conrad, um, you know, the Conrad-verse. And I would have to say Bruce's inability to do his real job, podcast lies, uh, <laughs> is the reason that Conrad is allegedly attempting to kill his father-in-law. <laughs> Oh, nice. And, and I also... And, oh, good. And I was going to say, even further still, if you believe more rumor and innuendo, um, Triple H is back in charge at NXT. That's exactly what I was about to say, is that, like, yeah. people saying that he showed up and said to, like, people at the Performance Center that he's back. And, like, and, uh, imagine I, just burning down the house and then being like, here's the keys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I saw uh, a great tweet from the Barry Lad where he said, imagine the look on Triple H's face where he shows up to his NXT and everything's multicolored and everyone has a, a gimmick of like a tap dancing something or other. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody that he loved was released or let their contracts run out. They're like, here you go. See what you can do with Roderick Strong at this point. You know? Yeah. A, a beat a beat to hell, a will to live drained out of him, Roderick Strong. Good luck. We've shipped a third of the roster over to NXT UK. What's that? Good luck. Yeah. Did you see Brooks and Jensen or whatever the fuck their names are? Or the I NXT know. UK tag team champions? Those sound those names sound made up. I have no idea who they are. Well, one is um, someone who, for some reason, doesn't have social media, which is always a good sign. Yeah. And then the other guy is Bull Buchanan's son. Hmm. And if I was keeping up with the NXT two-point glow spreadsheet, I think his previous gimmick was that he broke his arm from jerking off too much. (laughs) See, I don't like NXT UK because, one, I don't think it's a thing. But, two, uh, if you Google the boar wrestler... Uh, some NXT UK guy comes up as the first thing, which is just unforgivable. What? That's a bunch of horse shit. It's God's honest truth. I hate it. All right. So we kind of doubled up on that one. So uh, <laughs> we might double up on my second one if you want me to go. Yeah, go ahead. And I am going to talk about uh, Dynamite this past week. The promo from one Christian Cage. Yep. Okay. Are you we doubling up? <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> Oh, all right. See, you know what? We're we're in cycle now. Um, 
So I'll just take real quick. I'll, I'll give you most of the time to talk about this, but uh, Christian should never, ever, ever be a face again because he's an amazing heel. Uh, his line where he's saying to Jungle Boy, I'm not your father. You already have a father, but he's dead. Like if anybody else delivered that, like if MJF said the same exact thing, we'd be like rolling our eyes. But somehow when Christian does it, it hurt us. Like it hurt me and I have nothing to do with Jungle Boy. But before I defer the rest of my time over to you, I just want to say it's looking more and more like Luchasaurus is going to be Christian's heater, his problem solver. And I called it. So I'm patting myself on the back Barry Horowitz style. But the rest is for you, sir. And I think so. Someone else uh, said that it's we're only a few weeks away from it being revealed that Luchasaurus has been Tyson Tomko this whole time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I've always been a fan of Christian, like even when like they did like the heel turn for Edge and Christian and they were like the goofball characters. I was like Christian more than Edge. And when they split them, I was always more into Christian and Christian was one of the guys that kept me still hanging into TNA kind of toward those days when he went over there as champ. Um, and there's just a, like, he's just a seasoned solid pro and you know, you, all these guys today and they should be, and a lot of them are taking acting classes, improv classes, um, whatever it is to work better, to make themselves better. If, and when their time to get that TV time happens, so that they're not uncomfortable and nah, this wasn't a topic for us, but um, you know, obviously like when it comes to like writers or scripted promos and stuff like that, um, if you're doing that sort of stuff on your own, that's just going to help you better. But Christian's been doing this for like what? 25 years, almost more than that. Like yeah. on a national level, he's been doing it for 22 years, 23 years. Um, and, and the other thing that you said perfectly encapsulates this. If you had given like this same verbiage or like this same like skeleton of a promo and told MJF to go out and deliver this, I wouldn't have believed it. It would have come across as forced. It would have come across as phony. It would have come across as unbelievable. And it's crazy to say like, like I know that Christian doesn't really believe these things, <laughs> but when he said them, I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. You know, I got mad. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like Eddie Kingston, you know, and like that's a weird analogy to make that these two Christian and Eddie are so similar. But like Eddie comes out and cuts a promo and I believe what Eddie's saying. Right. Because mm -hmm. um, he has a conviction and he has a way to cut, like to carry that. And obviously Christian doesn't cut the promo the same way that Eddie does and vice versa. But if you had given this similar idea to Eddie Kingston. And not only would I believe him, but I would probably believe that he killed Luke Perry, you know? <laughs> yeah. Even though um, I know he didn't, I'd be like, oh, I think he might have. Yeah. I don't where know. Was, this is, where was this Eddie when close. Luke Perry died? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's the subtleties of things. Like, everybody else feels as though to be a heel, you have to be like this screaming over-the-top maniac. And it was the calm, cool, and collectedness of Christian. Um, And, like, obviously the other thing is, like, it was all motivated by money. You know, it was so like, like that's perfect. And then he like, we're talking about MJF and he sprinkles the little bit of like, eh, just a little something in there. And I'm like, oh, are they planting a seed for like MJF and Christian down the road here? And I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get that. Um, I definitely think, as you say, um, Luchasaurus is going to be Christian's heater. 
Um, I think when push comes to shove, Luchasaurus is going to choose Christian, and then Christian is going to immediately stab him in the back and leave him laying. I, I think he'll use Luchasaurus, you know, until he's outlived his usefulness. You know what I'm saying? Then stab him in the back. Right. But let me ask you this. So we talk about how much better Christian is as a heel, or at least I did. Would you agree with that? Like he's more convincing? Yeah, for sure. So obviously him, Edge and Christian, you know, as a tag team, you know, they were a heel for the most part. You know, they were heel in the brood. They were kind of tweener heels when they were doing the five-second pose stuff. But obviously singles run-wise, what percentage of Christian's career would you even say he was a heel? Because obviously there was that initial run where he had Trish Stratus as his manager, valet slash girlfriend, which was awesome. And like this run now... But I feel like it has to be like less than 10% of his like singles career. He was a heel. No, no way more of it was. So really? yes. Okay. So as, as a Christian fan, so, um, you know, obviously if you want to oh. count, if you want to count oh. the brood stuff, you want to count the ministry of darkness stuff. You want to count, um, the change over to the reeking of awesomeness characters. Right. Okay. You know what? Before, I'll cut you off as I'm forgetting the one more match run. You know, and like we're not, I'm not even there. The ring. Okay, the throwing a tantrum in the ring. Yeah, so he, okay. so he's a heel for all of that, right? And then it's when the invasion happens that Edge and Christian become de facto baby faces. But like, it was more or less like Edge turned face, and Christian was just like, well, I guess I'm a face too, because then in like October, November of 2001, Christian turns on Edge. But it was like Christian was never really heel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, they do like the Christian at last year on your own run. He joins the Alliance for like a week um, as the Intercontinental Champion. Then the Alliance is defeated. Then he is like in that group with like William Regal and Test and those people that like defected to the Alliance. But Vince lets them stick around. So he's heel throughout that whole run. Then you have the Un-Americans run where he's in there. Um, you have the bit with him and Christian when they're trying to get with uh, Trish and Lita. And that's like another one where does Christian like Christian kind of turns babyface only because like Jericho turns on him. But they were both heels at the time. It was like Christian like Jericho turns like more heel, you know? Yeah. Um. So then you get like a little bit of a run where he's a kind of babyface where he's down in the dumps and motivational speaker DDP. Brings him up. Who could forget? And, and he helps Christian win the European title. And then as soon as Christian wins the European title, he turns on DDP. So, like, was Christian really a baby face? Or was he just, like, manipulating DDP the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then you get a little bit more of that run. And I might have some of this stuff out of out of order. But I would say he was probably a baby face, like, closer to the 10 to 15% that you're talking about that you thought he was a heel. He's been pretty much a heel almost all of his career, like, especially if you look at all of his WWF stuff. And even, like, the other part that you're talking about, like, the one more match stuff, he only becomes a baby face because Edge retires. Yeah. I, like, you know what it is? I, and I will I, – I guess you know this a little bit better than I do. You I love he's holding up a little better. But you know what it is? It's just the fact that the last 10 years – He's just been presented by WWE as, you know, the, the, as the baby face. And that's just, it's completely erased my memory of any good heel stuff, you know? 
Well, and that's the other thing is if you were around in WWE like in the 90s or even early 2000s and you were still around today in the 2020s, just because you have that longevity, the fans have recognition of you. So they're going to cheer you. Yeah. Um, I, I would almost guarantee you if Christian didn't leave to go to AEW, he would have turned heel on Edge. And we probably would have gotten Edge and Christian instead of Edge and Randy Orton. Well, that would have been a huge upgrade. Right. <laughs> and I just before put a pin in this, or at least on my end, uh, I don't know if you saw his new shirt. Yes. I still won't buy it, but he changed the Outwork Everyone shirt to a Work Everyone, which I, I dig that. Yeah, that was really good. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. Uh, Christian, this is going to help. This is going to be the thing that elevates Jungle Boy to that next level. Um, I wish AEW was doing house shows. Um, so that he and Christian can work like four or five times a week. Um, just in this instance, they're only going to get to work like two times a week, one time a week. But I think this is going to be the thing that helps Jungle Boy elevate to that next level. It's one thing to have Christian there, but it's another thing to be in the ring with him and having yeah. Christian kind of like leading you in a match. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to help Jungle Boy immensely. I agree. Uh, and last but not least, and, you know, obviously we're going to get to this in Does Joe Know the Card, um, but Forbidden Door, right? Forbidden Door, AEW, New Japan, pay-per-view this weekend. And I see so many people upset on the build for this pay-per-view, okay? Now, I think maybe I'm not that upset with the build because I don't watch New Japan, I know, Adam, you do, and you're a big Japanese wrestling, I would say, expert, almost. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'll get, I'm getting there. I try, you know? Right. I know you wouldn't call yourself an expert. You just let other people call you an expert and agree with them. Who um, might argue, you know? Right. But I think if I had more of an interest in what was going on in New Japan, um, I would be like, oh, this card is a lazy build. But as of, like, us, like, Literally like an hour before we started recording, they just announced that Tomohiro Ishii was injured and he's being replaced in the match that he's in on the pay-per-view. <laughs> and it's just that so much of the AEW roster is the walking wounded. Like we lose Punk and he was going to be in a big marquee match. We lose Danielson. He was going to be a big, in a big marquee match. Um, and you're lose, And then like even further down the card, there's just so many other people that are hurt, you know, from, you know, I think both. Both uh, Red Velvet and Kira Hogan are injured. Uh, Luther's injured. Lee Johnson is injured. All of these guys are hurt. Yeah, they're saying Red Dragon's hurt. Yeah, uh, Kyle's hurt. Um, Adam Cole has been hurt. That's why he's hasn't wrestled since the pay-per-view, but he's been on TV every week to build him up and keep him healthy for this match and everything. But I really think that's the bigger issue with whatever your problem with the booking of this card is is just that so many people are hurt or unavailable or a million different things. And it sucks. You know, it's a once in a lifetime thing. Uh, they did hastily throw together this week on TV that John Moxley needs to save the AEW title from Tanahashi man, because if he takes the interim title to new Japan, then we'll never get it back. <laughs> I don't know. CM Punk is the actual champion. So at least when CM Punk comes back, Tanahashi Man has to come back and defend the interim title against him. So it wouldn't be that big of a deal if Tanahashi Man won the belt. Anyway, no. um, and I guess the other thing is a lot of the ROH people got pulled off the show 
Um, like the people that are going to be slotted for whatever ROH is going to be a month from now, they were all pulled off the New Japan show to keep them whatever. Like they're doing angles for, they did angles for the ROH pay-per-view next month at the dark tapings last weekend. Hmm. Um, like they're setting up like Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Yuta for the TV or for the ROH title. Like Wheeler Yuta is the only one that's on there because he just came back from Japan from being in the, the, the best of the super juniors thing. Um, but yeah, again, it's, 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 I'm sure it'll be a fun show. There's going to be lots of good wrestling on it. It'll probably be a very exciting show. Um, and then once that show is over, we can move back into hopefully working with the uh, roster that's not beaten up, banged up, whatever, <laughs> and get onto our storylines and build toward All Out or whatever, right? Yeah, and plus, like, if this show does well, and I'm sure it will, you know, amongst AEW diehards and, you know, New Japan fans and whatever, you know, next year there can be another one. And you can have CM Punk on that. You can have Danielson on that, you know, and you can mix this stuff up. So it, a lot of people are all like bummed because, oh, we're not going to have that Okada versus Punk. But you know, maybe next year, you know. Right. You know. All right. Well, Joe, I didn't know that there was a pay-per-view this weekend. Oh, I have one more thing. Oh. I have one more thing. I know it's not in my notes because sometimes like Adam can see my notes, but sometimes it's one of those things that just come up in my head. Uh, that was maybe a joke that I was workshopping with the writers, you know? <laughs> um, so, obviously, we've talked about a bunch of um, um, pop culture stuff this episode. Sonic the Hedgehog, the Tim Burton Batman movie, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I know, Adam, uh, I think you were a fan. Obviously, I was a fan. My podcast partner over on Longbox Heroes, Todd, was a fan, but... You know, earlier, a couple months ago, they announced that Legends of Tomorrow would not be coming back for another season. This is true. Very sad about that. But I'm glad to see that the people that work behind the scenes of that show, that painstakingly put together those beautiful wigs and mustaches and beards and tiny hats, found work at the World Wrestling Entertainment to put that super realistic beard on Ezekiel this week so he could be Elias for that skit. <laughs> and it's a big coup of WWE to to like sign those people away from the, the wig work that they do for Chris Jericho. Right. Oh, my goodness. Yes, <laughs> for sure. They, they were going to be traveling with Chris Jericho on the Fozzie tour that starts next month. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's when I think they probably got tipped off that Jericho was getting his head shaved. So they took the offer with WWE. Now that Jericho still has what he calls hair, um, he has to get like maybe less professional people than the people <laughs> who did stuff on Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> like the people that like do the makeup for like uh, fun houses and stuff like that. Right, you know? exactly. All right. Now you were going to say something about a pay-per-view this weekend? Oh, I, I completely forgot that there was a pay-per-view this weekend, Joe. All right. I, I have to hit this button here. Alexa Bliss. It's kicking down to It's Billy Kay. Wait. Ty Conti. Beyond the show. Brandy Lauren. No, no, no. Is it the Cora Jade? Yard. Let's find out. Spansky. No, the car. So, uh, obviously, um, I have to quiz Adam on the pay per view. 
I mean, it's only fair. You know, I am the only Japanese wrestling expert on this podcast. And uh, some might say one of the better ones on the network, but that could be determined. Uh, so I just figured me quizzing you on the show, you know, that you'd get like one or two of them right. You know, so I figured it would be a more fair game if uh, I was the one that was quizzed. Okay, so... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, uh, according to uh, Wikipedia, the most trusted source in professional wrestling news, uh, there are ten matches announced, including one on the pre-show. Uh, Adam, can you name all the matches on AEW New Japan's Forbidden Door pay-per-view this Sunday, Fight TV, local cable providers? <laughs> All right, bear with me, all right, because I, I might have trouble with some of the pronunciations, all right, because I, I'm better at writing these out. When I write my weekly Japanese wrestling blogs, you know, I'm writing it all out, so sometimes I don't pronounce them correctly. But uh, uh, obviously, one of the main events in my heart and everybody's is going to be Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay. Okay. Uh, we have Zack Sabre Jr. versus TBA, which may be Cesaro. Uh, yeah, that's if I was uh, I, I where I'm going to watch the pay per view this weekend. Uh, the person whose house that I'm going to that would be DJ from uh, uh, We Need Wrestling. He said if it's not Cesaro, he's going to give everyone at his house a dollar. <laughs> well, I'll be there, so uh, hopefully Ooh. it's Cesaro. But if uh, if not, I'll get a dollar. Mm -hmm. All right, so we have uh, Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta. And uh, Shota Umino, Umino against Minaro Suzuki and uh, drawing a blank on the, the two other people. Uh, who, who's Minoru Suzuki teaming with? The other two people that's teaming up with Minoru Suzuki? Yeah. It's Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Oh, okay. With Tay Conti. All right. So that's, uh, I got four. No, three. Right. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So we have uh, Okada versus Jay White versus Adam Cole versus somebody else. Help me out here. Hangman Adam Page? Oh, yep, yep. Hangman Page. All right. Okay. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh... Oh, Moxley. 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 All right. I was going to say, uh, we were just what, talking about it a second ago. I, I forget these things. Uh, how many do I have so far? Uh, one, two, three, four, five so far. So you're halfway there. All right. Um, pre-show, pre-show, pre-show. I'm going to say it's Yuya Yumura. Alex Coughlin, the DK, and Kevin Knight versus... <sighs> I, I remember the Japanese, like the New Japan guys. I just don't remember who the AEW guys were. It's uh, it's Max Caster, the Ass Boys, and Daddy Ass. Oh, okay. Scissor me, Daddy. All right. Oh, the uh, four-way for the All-Atlantic Championship. Uh, Ishii is not wrestling. He was replaced by Clark Connors. And it is Miro, 
and Malachi Black and Penta? Uh, no, Pac. Oh, so no, it starts with a P, so it's it's close. Um, tag team match, tag team match. Rapungi Vice, so right? Trent and, and Rocky Romero, uh, United Empire, Jeff Cobb, and the Great Okan. Uh, very few Japanese wrestlers that I'm willing to put great in front of, and he's one of them. Uh, against the Bucks, no, FTR. FTR, FTR. Oh, that's right, because it's the it, Ring of Honor thing. It's winner take all. Like, whoever wins gets the ROH and the IWGP tag titles. Okay, yep, now I remember. Um, all right, we have the Bullet Club, which was Hikaleo, El Fantasmo, and uh, what? what's Haku's kids' names? No, it's the Young Bucks. Oh, my bad. Uh, against the Dudes with Attitudes, uh, Shingo Takagi, uh, Hiromo Takahashi, Luther? No, I told you Luther's hurt. Oh. Um, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. No. Sting and Darby Allen. Sting like the original like Dudes with Attitudes back in the 90s. I, I remember Dudes with Attitudes being like an arcade game. That's all I remember. Um, That's what I want to I'm trying to count what I did in my you head. You missed that's one. What, I missed one. Um, Is it a Joshi match? <laughs> no. Well, okay, yes. Uh, there are no uh, Joshis in New Japan, uh, but it's Thunder Rosa defending the title against Tony Storm. Oh, well, I mean... All right, I can understand I forgot that one, but I think I did pretty good, you know? I, I think I got a solid 80% of the card. I, I would say uh, your repu- your reputation as a Japanese wrestling expert has been intact. All right, perfect. So I'm going to put that on a shirt. There you go. All right, so uh, <laughs> do you want to talk about any kind of predictions? Because I want to just say this. Obviously, a lot of people are going to be like, you know, nothing's going to happen. It's a cross-company thing, and... No belts are going to change hands. I think, like, I can see, uh, like, some of the lesser belts, I don't want to say lesser, but, like, not the world title. Like, I can see a case being made for Orange Cassidy winning the United States Heavyweight Championship and, like, having FTR end up being the Ring of Honor champs and the IWGP tag champs. But with the compromise being, you know, the ace of New Japan, Tanahashi, going home with the interim world championship and just being like, Hey, your guy won this big title. And now that title is going to be defended in new Japan, which just gives it even more rub, but then, Hey, give us something by letting some of our guys have some of your other belts. Like, I think there's going to be some title changes in this. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of in the same, I'm kind of in the same ballpark as you. Uh, I think the mystery person is, as mentioned, it's going to be Claudio. Um, you know, my heart says Orange Cassidy should win all the matches and all the belts. Mm-hmm. Um, but my brain is like, oh, they're going to do some sort of like weird fuck finish because it's Will Ospreay. But like OC winning the U.S. title and having it for like a couple of weeks until Will Ospreay has to go back to Japan and then he wins it back on TV or something like that's not the worst thing in the world. It's Plus kind Orange of been... Cassidy is in chaos. So, I mean, he's a, he's technically a New Japan, you know, stable member. Sure. Um, FTR winner take all getting those all belts makes a ton of sense. 
uh, as does Tanahashi Man winning the interim belt so that they can get, because the intention was to do Tanahashi and Punk. Um, You put the interim belt on Tanahashi, you can come back and do Tanahashi Punk on another show somewhere down the road. Yeah. Um, I could see Jericho maybe getting the pin like real dirty like on Eddie at the pay-per-view only for Eddie to finally close the chapter on all the Jericho stuff on TV next week. Yeah, blood and guts. Um, but other than that, like, you know, um, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of good, fun wrestling. It's just, you know, maybe I don't know who a lot of the people are. Oh, I mean, it's okay. I'll be in the room. You can ask me. Yeah, of course. And plus, yeah, I guarantee you at least one match is getting added to this. I don't know what it's going to be, but... You think it's uh, going to be an 11th match? I mean, look at the last pay-per-view. Didn't they squeeze two of them in after we did Does Joe Know the Card? Uh, so they did them on a live Rampage, but I think Rampage was taped this week. And they did add four matches on TV this week. Um, and because it's a taped Rampage, I'm sure we would have gotten it leaked out by now what the extra matches are. Uh, but anything can happen in the AEW when it comes to number of matches on a pay-per-view. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at this, there's 10 announced matches and nine of them are on the pre-show. I mean, a nine-match main card, uh, that they're going to blow through that in, like, three and a half hours. They need to at least add another hour or so to the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we shall see. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's, uh, because there is a pay-per-view this weekend. There is no homework assigned uh, this week, but there is homework to discuss from last week. Mm-hmm. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. All right. So the homework as assigned by Adam uh, was the AIW event from this past Friday from the Odeon. Gangster Rap Made Me Do It streamed live on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, currently up there for video on demand. Uh, You can go check out our friend Kevin's blog, masklibrary.com. He does a write up for all of the uh, homework assignments that we do here. And uh, obviously, we're going to have very different perspectives on the show because I watched it uh, on demand after the fact, and uh, Adam got to live this show. I sure did. I mean, I was right there in the front row. Uh, if you're watching on TV, I was uh, the side to the right of hard cam, um, right in the front. So I uh, got a front row seat to it. First time that I was at AIW in the first row because I figured I wanted to be there to celebrate when bulking season won the number one contendership. And I, I was smart to make that decision, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But I did, uh, I did see you a couple times, but uh, more importantly uh, in the main event, when uh, JB is in the corner, kind of sitting there during the introductions, mm. the shot that they have him on the camera, you could see young Ed like right over his shoulder. <laughs> well, yeah, Ed, what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'll just tell you kind of my like my pre AIW uh, excursion. Um, as I mentioned on the podcast last week, uh, and DeWiki tried calling me out on this as if I was this big liar. I did have every intention of going out to Bloomsburg and kayaking with my buddy Rob, 
uh, on Thursday night. But as you know, in the Northeast, for whatever reason, it was like in the 60s all last week and it was super windy. Uh, so I just didn't do that. But that was my intention on Thursday. But first thing Friday morning, you know, we jumped in the car. It's just a straight shot across the state in 84. Hit a lot of traffic. There was a lot of like construction, but that kind of sucked. Uh, hit a couple Walmarts. I found probably the most stocked Walmart I've ever seen in the middle of Amish country. Uh, but, uh, there was nothing there to buy, but got there pretty early met up with, uh, Jay gold and young Ed and some other folks, ref Jay Hawk from IWTV guide, um, at Margaritaville, I think it's called. And, you know, had you guys something didn't go to, to Wahlburgers. What's that? You guys didn't go to Wahlburgers. I just went where they were at. So oh, okay. that was that. I had every intention of going to this hole in the ground bar that we found last time, but everybody else was over here. They're like, no, we'd much rather spend $8 a beer. So I was like, <laughs> all right. Uh, so I had something to eat there and uh, then just basically walked over to the show. Like we didn't have a lot of time to kill. Um, I just walked over, got in line. Um, actually saw John Thorne outside. He said, big match for you tonight. And I was like, sure. Do. <laughs> uh, so I uh, got in line and a kid in front of me and I say kid, it was probably in like his late twenties, but he had a, a GCW belt over his shoulder. So he's one of those guys. And he was talking with one of the students about the MJF promo and how it changed wrestling. And they were both like debating whether or not the promo was a shoot or not, brother. Uh, so John needs to figure out who that student was and kick him out of the business. <laughs> But uh, got inside, found my seats. I got my Mark photo with Tom Dunn, listener of the show. Shout out. Uh, met up with Jake Clemens, gave him uh, all the rookie cards that I was kind of accumulating for him. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously Jay Gold and uh, Ronald Two Legs, uh, you know, shout out to them. I saw Ed, but Ed, Ed, for whatever reason, he's an elusive little boy. He didn't really want to talk to me. I don't know what was up with that. But uh, I saw Artie. Uh, we took a photo, you know, looking like a mirror. Uh, he was just standing in a hole in the sidewalk for whatever reason. I don't know. There's a lot of holes on the, the sidewalk. <laughs> um, so next time we'll have to take a better picture. And but, next time you're gonna have to, you, you and Artie are going to have to coordinate your facial hair. I know. That's the thing. I was, mine is, uh, too, too tight and his is grown out. So, yeah, uh, it ruins the illusion. Exactly. But, uh, you know, just a couple of Mark photos before the show. There was nobody. Uh, I didn't want to do any of the meet and greets because they had Bandito. Um, they had Jack Evans and they had the franchise. Um, I debated getting a picture with the franchise, but I was like, oh, if I want to do it, I can do it tomorrow at Toyhio. You know, so I just didn't bother. Um, but, yeah, I bought an AIW hat. That was about my only purchase uh, that wasn't bar related. Uh, and then I watched the show, but I'll throw it over to you for your presentation of the show. Or All if you right. have any questions about anything up to this point. No, I think you covered everything that you needed to cover there, you know? Yep. Uh, so the opener is uh, Katie Arquette versus Jocelyn Navarro. And all the sh all the matches are like no disqualification, no rules, just kind of like brawls and everything, you know? Yeah. Uh, so again, hot opener, quick start. I know John mentioned it on uh, the card is going to change this week. Uh, but these two's rivalry is really helping their chemistry together. Uh, I love the bit of Jocelyn starting things off by putting a plastic bag over Katie's head. 
And there was a lot of like good stuff. These two beat the shit out of each other. It was a really good match. Yeah. You know, and Katie I mentioned wins. Uh, Katie Arquette wins. And I mentioned, you know, I went with my friend Rob, who's not really a big wrestling fan. He's been to three. Re- this is his third wrestling show in, in his like adult life. He might have went to like a CYC WWE show or something like that. But he's gone to the last AIW, like the major announcement. And he went to an LVAX show at Sokol's. So, like, those are his two wrestling experiences. And to have right off the rip, yeah. to have two women beating the shit out of each other, and one of them starting with trying to suffocate the other one with a plastic bag, let you know, like, what you were in for for the night. So he was pretty shocked. I was like, I was like, all right, this is going to be awesome. For sure. Uh, so next up, we have a four-corner uh, four match. Tom Lawler, Jackson Stone, uh, Twan Tucker, and Kaplan. Uh, Tuan comes out with what they call in commentary a tennis racket, but it looked like one of those gimmicks that you use to, like, shock bugs. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to do a thing at work where it was like you'd try to zap people with it. <laughs> right. I was sad that, um, they didn't use it during the match. Uh, Kaplan came out with a leaf blower, and Carson, on commentary, made a remark, uh, that he's seen Kaplan watering his driveway. <laughs> Um, and I'll say this, and again, if I'm blowing up their spot, I'm blowing up their spot, but they kind of publicize this. These two guys went to high school together and were kind of sort of like best friends growing up. And I think they're still very close today. Uh, so for Brian to throw a remark like that on Kaplan, uh, I have to give my props to, cause like I always do shit like that. I'll say something stupid that only the person in the match knows. So when they go back and watch the match, it's just like a little cute joke for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, there's a hard hitting match. Uh, Tuan definitely, uh, not much like Broski, not a drop to old guy. <laughs> uh, there was a bit where, uh, Tom Lawler jumps off the top rope to like jump into the guillotine on Jackson Stone. And, you know, Tom Lawler's a big guy, you know, he's not as big as everybody else in the match, but he's not like a peewee. So he jumps. And he goes to put on the guillotine choke, and they kind of stumble a little bit, but both guys kind of did a really good job of saving it and not making it look, like, fake, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It, it was uh, just like uh, you're readjusting the move, kind of like an yeah. MMA. Yeah, it made, it, look, it, made it look like a struggle as opposed to two guys who realize that they fucked up and we need to fix this. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, and then Kaplan gets the big win pinning Tom Lawler, which is crazy. As Tom Lawler is going to be in the New Japan G1 uh, in, like, a few weeks here. And he's dropping falls at the Odeon to Kaplan, who I love. Um, And then Kaplan lays down the challenge for Absolution uh, for Tim Donst to make his big return. And, again, they were joking on the podcast that Tim Donst is getting the Goldberg Absolution payday for this one. Yeah, I mean, this was nothing that, like, kind of jumps out because you can say there's just four guys beating the shit out of each other. But I just want to say Tom Lawler losing to Kaplan, I I feel like, especially in the eyes of that audience or anybody who watches a lot of AIW, he loses nothing in that. You know, he can go over to Japan and just, like, win the whole thing for all we care. And it doesn't, like, make you scratch your head at all because Kaplan's been presented as this world beater over the last couple months, you know? Yeah. So I was cool with that. Very fun match. Uh, so next up, we have Casey Carrington the fourth, taking on Dominic Guarini. Uh, t- Dom starts things off hot. Uh, he uses a spike, which I think would have been an homage to Kevin Sullivan if he did not miss his flight to the show. 
Uh, Casey Carrington gets busted open, gets some good color kid um, in the ring. They start setting up some doors and there's a there's a very specific German uh, suplex that Dom gives Casey through one of the doors that I thought Casey was legit dead. Like that's yeah. how quick he got snapped over and like he didn't break the table. He like obliterated the table and Casey's not a big guy. Um, match ends when Carson and Jackson Stone come out. It's three on one. Casey gets the win against Dom. Uh, I really thought that this was going to be the blow off to the feud, but obviously this feud must continue. Yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully this leads to, you know, Absolution or one of the other shows. Um, as far as like the doors exploding, like you mentioned. Yes. Um, in person, especially right up at the front, it was it was like fireworks going off. It was amazing. Okay. Uh, so next up, we have what's advertised as Eric Taylor taking on uh, Wes Barkley. Um, so on commentary, and uh, I, I, I love their commentary, um, and this is not a slight, this is an observation, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Wadsworth does a great job. He's got the history, and I know that him and Nathan Zagura get together and do, like, brush-up segments before the show. Like, they do, they take the commentary very seriously. They do a lot of work on this. Uh, Nathan Zagura is coming up with a lot of the more history stuff, like uh, Wadsworth does. But at the start of this match, uh, Nathan Zagura says that Eric Taylor versus Wes Barkley is the modern-day equivalent of Shawn Michaels taking on AJ Styles. (laughs) Now, I don't know Eric all that well, and I get you're going to make the correlations between him and Shawn Michaels, okay? Mm-hmm. I know Wes very well, and unless Wes fed Nathan this line, I think Wes would be the first one to tell you that he's not AJ Styles. A guy who does 1999 WCW moves as, like, his comeback? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. It just, like, it's, like, I don't think it bothered anyone else other than me, just because I know Wes, right? Yeah. Um. So, the match... And they said that it was set up this way, that Shane du- it was always going to break down in the tag match where Shane Douglas was going to come out and help Wes when the Duke gets involved. But, like, the Duke comes out in his gear, and I'm like, okay, that's telegraphing that Duke's going to get involved. And then, like, Duke, like, works the corner like it's a tag match, like, right from the rip. And I'm like, okay, that's really telegraphing what's going to happen here, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it just put, like, a weird feeling on the match. But once Shane Douglas comes down and once the match breaks down in like an ECW style brawl, um, I was cool with it. Um, I will just say uh, Eric Taylor needs to get, I'm not going to say matching gear to Mikey because Mikey's gear game is on point. But, uh, and then we'll talk about Mikey's gear game a little, a gear a little bit later on. But like, it looks as though like, and this could have just been, it was like a no rules match, but um, Eric wrestling in like, jeans that look like sweatpants or sweatpants that looks like jeans with a belt where Mikey has much more elaborate gear. I'm like, "Eh, let's get on the same page, guys. You're a tag team, but that's just me. (laughs) These are nitpicks. I like the match. Yeah, and, and, you know, my favorite thing of this is we got a bag full of tacks, which is always fun, especially when it's, like, right in front of you. And, uh, you know, Wes took the tacks, which was just a holy shit moment, you know, for the crowd. And I have to go back and watch it. There might have been a part where... They poured the tax out, right? And mm-hmm. Eric goes to do something. And then he steps in the tax 
and he's wearing shoes and he sells that it hurt stepping on the tacks. Well, maybe they were thin soled shoes, Joe. Sometimes like wrestling shoes are thin. You're not wearing boots. I don't know. I don't know. These are little things, little nitpicks that nobody else notices but me because I have too much time on my hands. Plus, you're a man that wears clothing until it's ready to be blown away in the, with the wind. You have sneakers that have very, very little thread, I'm sure. Uh, you probably step on a Lego and it would hurt. Uh, you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. <laughs> uh, so, and hey, I, I, I have match times written down, but like Casey and Dom was like seven minutes. Uh, this match, like bell to bell, and I say bell to bell, like there was a lot of shenanigans before and after the match was like 16 minutes, which is like outside of the main event, the longest match on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we have the four-corner tag match with the Jollyville Fuckets. Um, uh, uh, members only. Uh, TME bulking season. This match is like 10 minutes. Like, this might have been my favorite match on the show. Like, match itself and show, like, match ending angle. Um, just because it was like super fast-paced. Yeah. Uh, like there was not like a chin lock or a rest hold or an anything. It was just like, here's eight guys. We're going to, we're going to give you every pairing that we possibly can. Everybody's going to do their coolest stuff. Um, it, Chuck Stone is going to get a little bit of hand from Artie to do coast to coast. And then Artie <laughs> is going to cut his own head open, giving someone a move through a door, but they still win the match. <laughs> yeah. How much does Arthur MacArthur love the business? Ah, uh, let's ask. I would say that Artie's uh, on his way to loving the business. (laughs) But yeah, obviously, big victory for uh, bulking season. You know, getting the number one contendership. Uh, Only reason I went out there. So I'm very excited. I didn't get a chance to celebrate because uh, Broski number one and Broski number two came out. And as you said, uh, had the, you know, the beat down at the end. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, The celebration was set for the after party. Yep. And so they like they did uh, PME did a great job of beating down booking season, uh, handcuffing Chuck Stone so they could double team already already bloodied up. And again, it wasn't, you know, obviously, if you go back and watch the match, um, it was an unintentional uh, him getting busted open. I hope he's okay. I saw like later on in the night and even the next couple of days, he still had some scabs on his head. Right. (laughs) Um, And only a crazy person would blade the top of their head, you know, (laughs) and like. Artie did a great job, eyes open, looking to the camera, hand outstretched, great, great stuff. And then when the fact that they had to unhandcuff um, uh, Chuck, nobody had a key for the handcuffs, and they had to, like, use, like, bolt cutters to get them out, you know? Yeah. And listen, if I've learned nothing uh, from Jim Cornette, and I haven't, it's that you should always keep a handcuff key on your person. You know, you <laughs> never know. When you're in your sex dungeon and the girl that you're with passes out and she had the key hidden somewhere, you need to have your own key to get out of whatever contraption you've been put in uh, to get off. Allegedly. Yeah. Uh, And just one quick thing about Arthur. Uh, He showed up at the after party with like, like at least. 50 pounds of like gauze, like wrapped around his head. (laughs) He's just like completely covered. And then like 10, 15 minutes later, he, I, I see him again without the, the bandage on. And I'm like, oh, you took it off. He's like, yeah. He's like, I, I think it's good. I think it stopped bleeding. And I'm like, yeah, you might want to look again. <laughs> it was just all over him. 
<laughs> but uh, and then he put it back on for the rest of the night. But at All least right. for what I remember. Uh, so it, I guess this would have been intermission. Then we next up have Manders or the one called Manders versus Isaiah Bronner. Now, and this is not a knock on Manders because I think Manders is really good. Um, but this match at nine minutes, I think maybe went a little bit too long. Um, only in that this should have been a like, and I get you want to not make Manders look like shit. He just came back last month at Gauntlet for the Gold, but this should have been a more definitive, decisive win for Brauner, I think. Yeah, I could see that. That And that's just me. That's my thought process. PB Smooth comes out afterwards, and he does the same shtick to Brauner that Brauner's been doing to everyone else. Like, after he wins the match, he just says the person's name on the mic for the challenge. So I'm guessing at Absolution we're going to get uh, PB Smooth versus Isaiah Brauner. I will watch that match. Jeez. Uh, so next up, uh, Mikey Montgomery, uh, Uncle Chase, Burnett, uh, Bandito, Jack Evans, M-Dog 20, and Derek Dillinger in a big flippy-do match. Um, now, I want to say this. Um, again, I was shocked that Ziggy wasn't there, but again, listen, we all have different bookings on different days. Um, I thought that our homegrown guys not our world traveler guys because Bandito's a former Ring of Honor champion. Jack Evans is Jack Evans. Uh, M-Dog 20 is another world traveled guy. Um, and Chase Burnett is a guy who's just kind of getting back into things, right? So mm. our homegrown guys hung in there with some of the best high-flying dudes in all the world. But you could look at them and definitely see like, okay, there's a reason Jack Evans is a TV star. Uh, you know, since 2006. There's a reason that Bandito was this. Not that this is taking anything a- a- away from those guys, uh, Derek or Mikey or Chase. I'm just saying that those other guys had like such polish on them. And that's polish that comes from way more years of experience. M-Dog's been wrestling for over 20 years. Jack Evans has been wrestling for almost 18 years. Uh, Bandito's been wrestling for like 10 plus years. And it's just like, it's just a little bit of a difference of experience. But like I said, our AIW homegrown guys looked great in there. It's just that those are the three were on like a completely different level. Yeah. And, you know, this match, obviously a bunch of people doing things all over the place at ringside in the ring and the crowd, um, you know, it was hard to kind of focus on like yes. where to look. Uh, and, and some of that might have been due to the fact that my uh, my overall awareness might have been impaired a little bit. But hmm. uh, I just barely was able to turn to my left and see Jack Evans do the the dive off the balcony. Like, because I was looking at the completely other side. I was looking at, like, the stage side. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I might have just been, like, the, the gasping of the crowd uh, to my left caused me to look over and I just turned over in time to see that. But I was like, holy fuck, that was amazing. Yeah. And, you know, Thorne mentioned in the podcast, but he even even messaged me earlier that day. He goes, Jack Evans got here. And the first thing that he did, he goes, can I do something off that balcony? And he's like, absolutely <laughs> go for it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And so Derek ends up winning the match. Um, and then I guess next we have our main event. Uh, which ends up being a three-way pick-your-poison as Josh Bishop takes on uh, Matt Justice and the returning to AIW Joey Janela. Uh, This was another just crazy match. These are just three sickos being allowed to go out there and do whatever they want. 
Um, JB gets the win, of course, because he's he's angling toward the title. Um, Derek afterwards comes out and attacks him. And again, I mentioned it one last time on the podcast this week. Um, Thorne mentioned that at Absolution, uh, Broski is going to be there to relinquish the titles. Mm-hmm. And the main event of Absolution is going to be JB versus Derek for the for the belts. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that when we had Bishop and Justice in the ring and uh, it was like, oh, there was that stall where it was like, okay, somebody's coming out, but they haven't hit music yet. Uh, This little shit that was standing next to me to the left looked at me. He says, it's going to be Janela. Do you know that? And then Janela's music starts hitting. He comes out. I wanted to fucking elbow this kid. Uh, Was it Ed? It wasn't Ed. It was just some some dude. And uh, it wasn't anybody I know or I've ever seen before. But he's just like, oh, you know, it's Janela, right? And I'm like, oh, you motherfucker better not be. And it was. But I was so mad. But whatever. Uh, That match was sick. Um, I have never experienced, not since the old days of going to see ECW at the Flagstaff, have I been that close to that many unprotected chair shots. Uh, And it was just like a visceral thing. Like, I don't know. When I get the chance to go back and watch this again on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, I know I was like audibly gasping and like visually like kind of recoiling at some of these chair shots. I want to see if I'm caught on camera doing that because I was like scared for Justice and Bishop during that match. And maybe Janela. <laughs> uh, I will say this. Um, both Joey and JB do a much better job of putting an arm up to help on those chair shots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matthew Justice don't even bother. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes. But all in all, this was a great show. I thought this was a blast. And again, I'm biased. I'm a homer for AIW. I love the crew. Um, you know, they have a show coming up uh, in two weeks at a Winchester show, then Absolution on the tw- uh, 27th of July or 23rd of July, and then the uh, Ashtabula show uh, on the 30th of July that uh, Adam and I will be there doing a live episode of Adults with Wrestling. Uh, Ultramantis Black is going to be in the Bill Alfonso Hardcore Invitational Tournament. I think so far they've announced uh, Kaplan and Eli Everett. Uh, is that the the Amish kid's name? Yep. And uh, I have the li- I have the rest of the list of the people that are going to be in that tournament. And boy, howdy, it's going to be fun. And uh, I and listen, I, whether he's on the show or not, I don't think he's in the tournament. But uh, Big Dan's coming out for the car ride with us. Big Dan. So. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be a fun ride, and uh, at least you and Dan can go be the lives of the party, <laughs> and me and Mantis can go find where they're showing at reruns of Seinfeld, and we can count Mantis' money together. <laughs> yeah, like, when the rooms are being bought, and it's like, all right, Joe and Adam, here's your room, and then, like, Big Dan and Mantis, here's your room. We'll just do, like, a switching of keys and be like, all right, nah, me, me and Dan are going to hang. You guys go and watch reruns of MASH. <laughs> yeah, we're going to we're gonna figure out something. We're, 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 like, five weeks away from making that plan. Yeah. But, you know. But, yeah, so, uh, like I said, great. I had a great time. Um, I might have had a better time. Like, and, and don't get me wrong. I had a blast at major announcement, but I had a lot more fun at this one. And maybe it was just because I was just closer and it was just all hardcore matches, you know, and it was just something about 
the experience that I enjoyed more. So even a broskiless AIW show, I was able to enjoy it more. So that that's a good thing to say coming from me. But um, didn't hang out for long at the Odeon. Started to make our way over to the after party at Dive Bar. Right. Um, my advocate, Jay Gold, as was detailed on the card is going to change, bought like a VIP table with like just bottles of vodka <laughs> and it was just like help yourself and i'm like all right um but i i ran into chuck stone and i got to take a celebratory picture with um him and me you know to celebrate us becoming number one contenders uh so sure. that was awesome um i i went up to finally i got my mark picture with josh bishop josh was uh fucking awesome really nice dude very very friendly to a, a mark like me um <laughs> but i saw matthew justice and like he was also very friendly and i was like dude you are the craziest motherfucker i was like put your fucking hands up <laughs> and he was laughing he was like no nah, man no nah, i'm good um funny thing here i'll tell you this i and i have an explanation for this but i saw west barkley and we both happened to be going over to uh jay gold's table at the same time to to fill up and i was like hey west and he's like hey you're adam from at odds right and i was like kind of like i was like <gasps> <gasps> and he's i'm like i'm kind of shocked man and he's like two steps ahead baby <laughs> <You know? laughs> and i i guarantee you like at the time i was like that's the coolest thing in the world west knows who i am but he was probably like who the fuck's this mark until like john thorne he was like oh that's adam from out odds <laughs> you know something like that you know? but uh it was just funny that he was like he he at least at, in that moment knew who i was and what our podcast was sure uh, I ripped heaters with Joey Janela and Philly Collins, and I, I talked to Philly for a little bit. Um, he was a nice dude. And probably the nicest person of the night, and the person I talked to a lot was Bill Alfonso. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and I, I went up to Bill Alfonso briefly. I didn't want to, like, bother him too much. Because, you know me, I, normally I'm not a big bother guy. But, like, at the after party, like, everybody's drinking, you know, whatever. Let's let's go up and be like, hey, man, I like you. You're a fa- I'm a fan of you, whatever. Um I told Bill Alfonso, I was like, hey, man, uh, I work with a guy. Uh, I've worked with him for the last 20 years at the Importer-Exporter place and before that, Circuit City. And for 20-plus years, me and, me and him quote you all the time with them, cut it down the middle, baby, <laughs> right or right down the middle. And he's like, oh, no, man. He's like very flattered with that. And he's like, what's your friend's name? And I told him it was like Sanford. And he's like, let's record a video. Dude, and I that's was so like, cool. I was like, are you sure? And they're like, hold on, I'm going to see if I can play it, but I don't know how well it's going to come across on this, but. And it's playing off loop there, but. No, I, you got it. I, I got it. I got it. Yeah, but for just to him to be like, oh, let's record a video, you know, and like. Uh, it was just very surreal, and I sent that to my buddy Sanford, uh, and he popped like super big for that. Um, but like I said, had a good time drinking uh, with all these people, you know, just hanging out. Uh, my buddy Rob tapped out before I did, and he's like, "I'm gonna walk back to the hotel." Um, we were at the Lofts, which is like maybe a block and a half from the Odeon. It was uh, real close. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I was just hanging out with like Jake, or I'm sorry, uh, Jay Gold and, and whoever for a little bit. And then I hit a wall and I was like, all right, time for me to go. And somehow I time traveled back to the hotel. 
And the only thing I remember, and obviously I'm not driving or anything like that. It's only a couple of blocks. I'm just walking. But as windy as I said it was around here uh, over the Thursday, Friday, uh, for whatever reason that night, like the wind wanted to like blow me over. So the lucky thing was like, if I was just wobbling to my left from being drunk, the wind would come and correct me. (laughs) It was just good, uh, good balance. And then I got back to the hotel and I got to an elevator and I took a picture of the elevator where there were like flip flops on the floor. Yeah. Uh, And I'm hitting the third floor. 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 Nothing's happening. So I go out to like the valet. I'm like, Hey man, I'm having trouble getting to like the third floor. I was like, I'm staying here. I was like, help me out. And he's like, sir, that's a freight elevator. (laughs) He's like, the elevators are over here. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, so it would, I got been, back. would have been better if somehow you were already on the third floor. <laughs> or I was just like, sir, this is a Denny's. <laughs> you know, something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got back to the room and I passed out. And I was like, oh, I have to go to Toy Hio in like six hours. <laughs> but uh, that was my night. So everybody got home safe. Uh, I had a blast. I was a little worried when I was listening to the card is going to change. And uh, John Thorne is talking about like, oh, it was good until these couple fans showed up. I was like, is he talking about me and Robbie? And then he's like, no, these people like wearing basketball jerseys. I was like, okay, that's not me. Yeah. So I got worried there for a second that I was the asshole. Uh, Because, you know, I mean, I'm sure I was, but I'm a I'm a fun loving asshole. You're an asshole who blends in. Yes, I'm, a, I'm an asshole that can't be picked out of a lineup. Right. But uh, get, you'd get confused with at least one other person there. Exactly. They'd be like, why was Artie going around asking for Mark photos with everybody? God. <laughs> but I had such a good time that I actually uh, I messaged Jay Gold uh, and I said, hey, are you going to Absolution? And he said, maybe. And I said, well, if you're going, swing through Northeastern PA and pick me up first. So. There is a chance that uh, I might be going to Absolution next month. All right. Awesome. Good for you, man. Thank you. I had a, I had a really good time. So, I mean, uh, next time you're talking to your buddy Thorne, thank him for me. I know he doesn't listen to this podcast, but uh, nope. had a really good time. For sure. Again, Thorne, does, like, he jokes around and says three-star shows, five-star after parties. <laughs> That's what he aims for, you know? Yeah. And, and I, the, again, this was talked about on the their podcast as well. The uh, the after party at Dive Bar last year uh, for the major announcement show, you couldn't move in there. And if you remember, that was like right when people were like, hey, COVID's over. Everybody go out and do whatever you want. You right. know, so like everybody who hadn't left the house for a year was out like you just walking down the streets of Cleveland. It was like Times uh, time Square at night. Um, but like now we're back to like, people are like, Oh, fuck it. I don't want to go anywhere. I'm going to stay home. (laughs) You know? So like the dive bar pretty much was just AIW people and like the fans, which was, which was awesome. You know? Yeah, for sure. But that's my, my AIW story. Right. And we'll get into your toy Hio stuff here shortly in weekly purchases, but let me just hammer out these plugs. Uh, of course we mentioned before Jerry's internet wrestling emporium, uh, AKA independent wrestling.tv. Use the promo code at odds. Uh, new subscribers, uh, put that code in. If you continue with the subscription, why the hell wouldn't you? We get a kickback from Jerry and the crew. The longer you stick around with it, 
I think there's something like 12 shows streaming if we started today. I think I went in to go watch something before we started recording, and it was like, which of the three live streams would you like to watch right now? I'm like, no, no, I just have to watch this one show because someone dared me to. Um, <laughs> and I did, and it was. Um, but that, that's neither here nor there. Um, head over to our Tee Public store, housed through the uh, mothership, uh, which is uh, tinyurls.com slash longboxheroes. This weekend is 35 to 40% off everything. Uh, you can get at odds logos on like shirts and cell phone covers and notebooks and all sorts of other shit. Uh, you can also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. That's in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes ha Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, I'll mention here just briefly, and then we'll mention a little bit more when it gets closer. But I think uh, second week in July is Prime Day. So, you know, there's all sorts of, like, bonuses and shit and deals and whatnot. So if you're going to take advantage of Prime Day on, like, the 13th, 14th, be sure to use our link. Uh, notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include Fig Heels 2022 Ultimate Wrestling Figure Checklist Premium Edition. Ooh. What makes a premium, Joe? I, I think it's the broski forward. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, get, I understand that now. That makes I, sense. I would want to buy that just because I don't believe that broski could write. <laughs> uh, I think he's a functional illiter illiterate, but that's just me. <laughs> it should say as dictated by broski. <laughs> there you go. To poor Chelsea. <laughs> uh, somebody also purchased a Desalio lined journal notebook with pen loop hardcover notebook journal for work oh and uh lastly i would like to mention i know it's a little bit further out it's about two months away give or take uh lvac returns august 27th to steel stacks in bethlehem it's a bigger building and sometimes they say sometimes you need a bigger building mm -hmm. the announcement hasn't come out yet but i'm going to tell you listener to the show if you like who I like, come to the show. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Maybe if they don't announce it by next week, I'll give you another clue. Oh. And right. I'll see this, and I'll even go one further. I'm not going to tell you in the direct messages on this one. I'm just going to tell you, do you like who I like? Do you trust me? Come to the show. I. Uh Sounds good to me. I, I Honestly, that's enough for me. Speaking of things that you might like, Joe, there's other podcasts that people should listen to. I hate podcasts. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> those other podcasts are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, WWE War, Wrestling Cheers, IWTV Guide, Pod Van Dam, Wings on Wings, Between the Sheets, and having their season finale this this weekend, Joe. Final Wrestling Place. Did you hear about their big get? Speaking, you're talking about the LVAC getting a get, uh, potentially. Final Wrestling Place has got a big one this week. Is Todd on that this week as well? No, no, no. Much bigger than Todd. I was going to say, he was at the show that they're going to be covering. That's who I would have wanted on the show <laughs> to see how much of that show Todd remembers. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? Gun to Todd's head. He, I will just tell him he has to identify somebody other than Erica, Bohr, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Ultramantis Black. I'd be like, Todd, I will give you $1,000 if you could tell me the name of anybody else on this show. Okay. And I will be a rich man. He would know Erica. Yes, obviously. He would know the Boar. Yeah. He would know OC. Okay, I'm thinking of wrestlers that like were on the card. Okay, see, that's the thing. You'd have to be very specific with them. Because, like, he'd be like, oh, Joe was there. (laughs) Uh, Mantis. Okay, if we eliminate those five, maybe he might get Avery Good, but he would call him, like, Dasher or something. Yeah. Like, that might just be, like, a weird thing that's in Todd's head. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so I, all these shows, so Pod Van Dam's doing their season finale this week. Final Wrestling Place is doing their season finale. Hey man, just like the World Wrestling Entertainment in the 90s, there is no off season for us. We just keep going, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Adam is going to be on Final Wrestling Place this week to discuss the Batch of the Brewery event, which is streaming on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Yeah, and it's my first time on Final Wrestling Place. It only took a couple of years for them to get me on there, so uh, I'm sure to bring that up on the air. I'm uh, sure you will. <laughs> but you know what, Joe? Uh, speaking of podcasts having a finale, um, here's a show that definitely needs a finale, and that's the A Show. I, I will not promote them on this show, but they're having their finals of their Tournament of Champions. They're actually recording tonight. I mean, the nerve to step on the turf of us and we need wrestling to record on a Thursday. But I took the liberty of grabbing the soon to be named network credit card and purchasing some ad time from CKCC radio. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't wish this on anybody, but if you want to listen to, uh, their final show of the season, which like I said, who knows when, uh, you know, Matt will get around to editing that masterpiece, but it should be out in the next couple of days. But uh, there is some uh, some ads that I purchased. Uh, so we'll see where they're in there. I know the A-Show can't delete them out because I bought them straight from CKCC Radio. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe I have something to say to the A-Show that they, they need to hear. But uh, other than that, uh, I will not plug them on this podcast. I noticed some strange purchases on the uh, corporate credit card that I was going to bring up to you on the air, but I'm glad you... Uh... <laughs> address them before I had to humiliate you for doing so. But yeah, I think the A-Show typically releases their shows on Mondays still. As Todd says, they're not releasing it. It escapes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he stole that from me, that son of a bitch. And I stole it from Jerry Lawler, who stole it from Henny Youngman. But anyway, we're not going to get that lineage there. <laughs> Somewhere in there, we somebody owes, owes it other than me. Right. If you're anyone but Steve Allen, you're stealing my bit, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's it for the main show. It's time for Adam's favorite part of the show. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. Ha 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 All right, Joe. Um, 
this is going to come as a surprise to you, but I had a pretty big week of weekly purchases. Hey, I actually have a couple purchases myself. <gasps> All right, I'm kind of shocked. I'll like do a couple, a- like I have like three or four. Holy shit. All right, I'll do one real quick and then I'll I'll give you one. Um, The same day as Toy Hio, uh, this past Saturday, the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders were having an Aaron Judge bobblehead giveaway. And I could not go to it uh, because I was in Toy Hio. Um, and funny story, uh, speaking of Todd, Todd actually offered uh, to go to the game. And like I, I, I had to go, like I would have had to pay for his ticket and pay for his parking, which is fine. But he was going to go get me the bobblehead and then leave. But I told him, I was like, don't worry about it. I don't want you wasting like a couple hours just for the bobblehead. Um, I ended up finding somebody on eBay uh, that had like the cheapest one on eBay and saw that they were from Archibald. So I messaged them and I said, um, Hey, would you be willing to do this much with local pickup? I'm just an offense. And then I signed it, my full name kind of winking into the, the computer as I was doing it. Sure. And the person was smart enough to see my full name and just message me on Facebook. Uh-huh. And then we just met up and I paid him cash and saved some money. So I only paid like, maybe $10 more than it would have cost if I went to the game. Cool. Yeah, so my Aaron Judge minor league baseball bobblehead collection is still complete. I was going to make a joke and say Aaron Judge. Isn't he the guy who does Beavis and Butthead? Uh, <laughs> to pretend that I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is, but obviously you tipped it off that it's a baseball man. Fair enough. All right, what do you have, Joe? Well, uh, we have to do phone calls because I forgot to do that, but we'll do that after weekly purchases. How about that? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, this show's flying by. No, I forgot to do uh, phone calls. But we'll do phone calls after weekly purchases, huh? Okay. All right. So uh, this past weekend was Father's Day, and I was waiting for everything else to kind of wrap up to see what I would get from my wife and my son uh, for Father's Day. And I'll have a question about what they got me for Father's Day. But the one thing that they didn't get that I had to buy for myself was a new uh, knife for my keychain. Uh, someone who does not travel and has not traveled by plane in over nine years forgot to take that off his keychain when I went to Aruba back in March. Mm. So I lost that. So I just had to buy myself a new one. Okay. You like to carry around a knife just in case? Yes. Just in like, case. You're in like a parachute and you get stuck in a tree or something like that. Listen, <laughs> when we were helping break down at the Real Rumble show, uh, I had a knife because I had to cut the zip ties off the tarps that were set up for the uh, the 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 locker room. All right. Well, there you go. You. It's always useful to have it. Listen, in the early day, remember when Stone Cold Steve Austin had a podcast? <laughs> yep. In the very early days of his podcast, he spent a good chunk of the early episodes talking about you should always have, like, a Swiss Army knife on you because, like, you really never know when you're going to need it, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd gotten one for myself and I'd gotten one for my wife, and it's it comes in handy, like, more often than you would think. Uh, so Steve Austin doesn't do a real podcast anymore. He just does that bullshit on the WWE Network. Uh, so this is me telling you, you should have a, a Swiss Army knife on, on you. The one that has, like, just, like, the knife and the can opener, like, not the super fancy one. Yeah, um, not the one that's, like, the size of, like, yeah, can. <laughs> not the one with the scissors, but, like, the next lower level down. Yeah. Uh, honest to God, you'd be surprised on how more often those come in handy than, than they don't. Okay. So, um, a question for you, okay? Yeah. 
as a fellow enabler and person who's been enabled. Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what my what my wife and my kid got me for um, Father's Day were the other two uh, Marvel retro sized Spider Man figures that I that I wanted. Okay. Uh, I had picked up uh, you know Todd picked up Green Goblin for me when he was in New York. I picked up Electro uh, myself at our local shop, and they got me the Spider Man like just the regular suit Spider Man and Venom. Okay. Yeah. So I have the four. They all have like amazing Spider-Man branding on them. I'm done. Or am I? <laughs> because they announced in the next set that they're doing Firestar. Okay. Yeah. And the Firestar kind of looks like the Firestar from the Spider-Man and his amazing friends cartoon from the eighties. And I'm like, I don't really need a Firestar. It kind of looks like the one from the eighties. if there's an Iceman, we'll see. And there is an Iceman. Okay. Yeah. So where I run into the problem is the Iceman definitely does not have amazing Spider-Man box branding on it. I don't know if the Firestar one does. I'm going to guess it doesn't. I'm going to guess if anything, it has X-Men, right? Yeah, or it might even be like Spider-Man and his amazing friends or something like that. Okay, now if it has, okay, so if it does not have the amazing Spider-Man branding like the other four, can I say I don't need them because they don't match? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I would allow it. I would okay. not make a case arguing strongly against it. You know, I would just be grasping. Like, I can see saying, okay, I have these four. They all say Amazing Spider-Man. Now, if additional members of the Sinister Six are released with the same carding, you need those. Right, that's and a I given. Would, yeah, but I don't think you would need to necessarily venture out to have these two, mish, like, kind of mishmashed other ones where you'd have to kind of, like, if somebody who's not a fan is looking at your collection and be like, well, why do you have these? And you'd have to explain, well, there was this cartoon back in the day that they were all together. It was, you know, if you have to explain why it's in a collection, I, I don't think it's necessary. Right. Because my thought process was I'm only going to get a Spider-Man because there's three Spider-Mans out there. The regular suit, the black suit and the amazing fantasy 15 suit. Don't need those other two. I got one Spidey. That's all I need. And I'm going to get whatever Spider-Man villains that come out. And those are going to be the only ones that I get. Um, And yeah, so when I have to make excuses why I need them in my collection, I just needed a second opinion if I was making the right call. Yeah, I will be the voice of reason on this uncharacteristically. All right. Um, Found in the wild on Safari and rather surprised. And then I went to another Walmart and found even more of them. But I finally have the Walmart exclusive superstars NWO Hogan figure. Um, Obviously we talked before that like, no matter where you went, you ran into the honky tonks or the Brays or the Ric Flair's. And then there was never any Hogan's. Um, I got the Hogan finally. And now I just need the Hall and the Nash to go with it, which are in series two and I'll be pumped. So I made another purchase as well. Um, Again, this is a little bit kayfabe. I did tell Adam off air. Uh, but I did purchase uh, Todd's Christmas gift. Sometimes you got to get these things early. Um, <laughs> if you are a Patreon subscriber to Longbox Heroes, uh, maybe you could figure out what it is. But I can't say it publicly, uh, just in case someone stooges it off to Todd. Not saying that Adam would, I know he wouldn't, but you know, I can't trust anyone else. Yeah, there's a bunch of you people out there, loose lips and all that stuff. Exactly. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Well, one last thing before I go into my Toy Hio exploits. Um, so, Joe, we've already established many times on this podcast today alone that I am kind of the expert on the soon-to-be-named network of Japanese wrestling. Correct. And I was watching the the Go Home Dynamite for Forbidden Door, and I was getting a little itchy about something, Joe. And uh, do you have any idea what I might be getting itchy for that would be a weekly purchase-related thing regarding Forbidden Door? <sighs> could it be like the New Japan Super 7s? It could, Joe. It could. <laughs> so here's the thing. Obviously, that those were not met with the greatest of praise uh, when they came out. But, uh, you know, they are some of the only ways you can get figures, at least real figures, of some of these guys. And... Series one is pretty much extinct just about everywhere. You can't get them on ringside. Uh, the prices on eBay are going upwards of like 60, 70 bucks a figure. Um, so somebody put in the major pod group a couple days ago that series one and series two were available to buy as groups. Like you can buy all of series one or all of series two on Big Bad Toy Store. And it worked out to be like 40 whatever per figure, which is basically original retail price with like free shipping and all that stuff. So uh, series one is Okada, uh, Tanahashi, Ishii, and uh, Will Ospreay. So I kind of just wanted the Okada and the the Tanahashi, um, but I was like, I don't mind the other two. You know, so I was like, I, I'm just going to get them before they become impossible to get. And if I feel like piecing them out, you know, and getting rid of the, like the Osprey or something like that, uh, I can do that. But I just wanted to get the one I had the option to. Right. Uh, I could see if there is more uh, AEW New Japan stuff, I could see those figures going up in price. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like more of a. And unless I say this a lot, investment piece, but it was more like, hey, they're they're available, they're a good price, they're not available anywhere else. You know, it's only a matter of time before the secondary market's the only way to go on them. You know, right. So uh, what else? My last purchase before you get into all of your toy Hio adventures is, um, so as an old, I uh, primarily use a web browser for Twitter. Mm-hmm. And no less than two times in just as few as days, I've sent links to people as direct messages that through the browser did not go through. Um, one was to Jonas and one was to the group uh, regarding figure purchases with me and you and Kevin. And uh, it was for the Super 7 Ultimate Toxic Avenger, Toxic Crusader, based on the cartoon. Yep. And... I saw it and I'm like, oh boy. I'm like, talk me out of this. And then surprisingly, you guys talked me into it. <laughs> um, I'd gotten paid when the pre-order went up. I went and I paid all my bills to the end of June. And I'm like, huh, I got a lot left over. Uh, it's not going to be here for a year plus. Eh, we'll do it, right? Yeah. And after I did it, I like to order it directly through Super 7. Uh, but I should learn my lesson. But I don't le- buy stuff enough. Because uh, I forget that sometimes inter- Entertainment Earth has the free shipping. Yep. And again, with the shipping and tax and everything through um, Super 7, it's like 77 bucks. Oof. 
It's a lot of money, but yeah. I love Toxie. Um, it's a cool looking figure. And this will kind of satiate me from trying to find like the original in the wild, you know? Yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. Um, I think I've learned my lesson when it comes to uh, Super 7s is I am only buying them from either like Entertainment Earth or Big Bad Toy Store uh, just because, number one, free shipping. Number two, they don't charge you until it ships. So they're not holding on to your money for a freaking year. Uh, and number three, at any point, if you just change your mind, you can cancel it, uh, which you cannot do with. Well, you can do it with ringside if you wanted to, like, email them. Uh, but there's no, like, easy way of just doing it on the website. Um, and obviously with Super 7 and ringside, they just take your money right away. Yeah. Um, so I'm just I'm all about uh, Entertainment Earth or Big Bad Toy Store when it comes to those types of things. For sure. All right, sir. Is that all you have? That's all I got, which is a lot for me, you know? It, it is. It's a big week for you. Um, I went to Toy Hio, and uh, I just want to say right up front, um, I did not get any Mark photos with anybody. Uh, the Acclaimed was there. I was tempted to get a picture scissoring with them, uh, but their line was pretty damn long. Uh, Smart Mark was there. Uh, Danhausen was there. But, you know, their lines were pretty big for a long time. Um, well, they're all TV stars. They are know. TV stars. Somebody who had pretty much no line at any points, at least from the time that I was there, uh, was Scarlet Bordeaux, which is, uh, made me sad. Uh, maybe it was because uh, Killer Carrion Cross was there with her. Mm. Um, but uh, while I did not go and get my Mark photo, I made sure to check on her every time I walked past her just to make sure she was OK. Uh, you know, but... How close did you get and how many good sniffs did you get? <laughs> you didn't want to inhale deeply in that venue. I just want to say that, Joe. There's gotcha. Some... All right. Oh, yeah. But um, a lot like last year where I walked around several times just kind of wondering to myself, why do I keep coming here? And I don't mean that as an indictment that it's a bad show at all. It's just that maybe what I collect and what is offered here aren't necessarily the same wavelengths. You know what I'm saying? Like people are leaving with armfuls of stuff with big smiles on their faces. And that's awesome. Like my buddy Robbie made like seven trips to my car, just running stuff out. Cause he was finding things. He went in with a list and he's like, I want this and this and this. And he just found half of it. So maybe it's just like, I'm looking for like weirder stuff or less common stuff, or I, I don't know. Um, but it took me a while to kind of find things that started to pique my interest. Um, there was one or two, like Transformers, like Masterpiece level figures, like the really expensive older stuff that I was like, well, I have looked at this on eBay before, you know, so it isn't like I'm just looking at it because, you know, I need to find something to buy. But then I, you know, I'd ask how much they want for it. And then it would be 20% above eBay price. And I'm like, I can always just get this any other time. You know, I don't need to pull the trigger on it because I'm just looking for something to buy. Yeah. Um, so after a while, you know, I'm walking around, I'm checking out stuff. I'm, you know, seeing figures I haven't seen in forever. I did actually find something that caught my eye and I don't know if you remember these, I'm going to send you a picture in just a second, but, uh, the old carrying cases for toys that came out back in the eighties, the big, yeah, sure. kind of like carry toy line had their own branded, like, uh, like suitcases, case. for lack of better words, you know? Um, so I saw 
what a, a Transformers 1984 jumbo collector's case up on a shelf. And I was like, well, fuck, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I've only seen a smaller one. And I, uh, I asked him how much was it? And he was like, uh, 40 bucks. Or I think it said 40. I just couldn't see it. I'm like, would you do 30? And he's like, yeah, no problem. And uh, I was like, oh, I should have probably should have asked. Can I see the inside of it? Uh, because it actually has inserts on the inside. And I'll shoot a picture of that over there. But it was 100% complete. You know, just a little bit of age from uh, being older. But I was like, okay, this is actually something that meets my collection. Like, I love Transformers. I love vintage stuff. Um, I'm going to pick this up. And I was starting to carry that out to my car. And Rob stopped me. And he's like, oh, there's the smaller version of that is over here. And I'm like, the what now? Or I'm like, okay, there's. I remember there being a smaller one. But um, so I walk over. I find literally the same style case, but like a smaller size. And it was priced 25 bucks. And I said to the guy, would you do 20? And he's like, no, but I do 25 bucks. And I'm like, okay, fucker, I'm just going to put this back up on the shelf and I'm going to walk away from your booth now. And I, I, this is one of the things where it was maybe halfway through the day. And this guy had predominantly all wrestling figures. And I just remember, you know, cause again, I'm making laps after lap after lap. And I'm like, man, this guy sure isn't selling anything. Like, this booth is not getting any emptier throughout the day. And with that fucking attitude, it, it makes perfect sense why you're not you're not uh, selling anything. To Like, it'd be one thing to be like, all right, no, nah, man, I, I can't. That's really priced good. And 25 is not bad for it. I looked on eBay. They're 20 to 30 bucks around that price point. But you got to ask, you know? But then for him to be like, well, no, I do 25. Basically, like, that's what's on the sticker. So I was like thinking to myself, okay, go fuck yourself. And later on, it's time to leave. We jump in the car. We start to pull out. Like we're parked behind the convention center. And to get out, you have to kind of pull around to the front. And I pull around and I'm like, son of a bitch. I pull the car over, park it, put the four-way flashers on. I'll be like, all right, I'll be right back. And I go in and I begrudgingly buy the smaller one because I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to drive home from Ohio to Pennsylvania, cursing this guy out and then go look on eBay to buy the exact same thing when I could just take the $5 loss and then bury him on my very successful podcast. (laughs) So uh, I started and completed a collection all in one swoop, you know, so then in that mind, I was like, it's mission accomplished. I didn't want to leave without the smaller one, you know? Yeah, I absolutely. You sent me the picture of those. Uh, I absolutely had those growing up. I never did, but I know my friends all did, you know, yeah. whether it be the smaller one or the bigger one or whatever. And I was just like, hey, as as somebody like I don't have a lot of vintage Transformers. You know, I mostly reissues and that kind of stuff. But this is a cool little display piece that didn't cost much, you know? The smaller one that kind of looks like a suitcase. Like, I would put all the guns and the snap-on accessories in those. Yep. And then I would put, like, the actual Transformers themselves in the other big one. Yeah. No, I I like these a lot. And I looked when I was on eBay. A lot of them don't have the inserts, you know? And that was a, a cool thing with these. Yeah, definitely. Um. So there was one other thing that I bought at Toy Hile. And this is actually something that I had been researching for a while on eBay. This has been on my eBay safe search for uh, maybe six months, eight months, something like that. And I think we established before that I'm a fan of like weird things when it comes to like Transformers, G.I. Joe, whatever. Like 
like, why am I a fan of like Soundwave and not Optimus Prime? Or, you know, why am I a fan of like Cobra Bats instead of like, you know, Snake Eyes? It's just certain things that like if I had it when I was a kid and like, did I have it and then lose it real quick? And then I got nostalgic. But there is a G.I. Joe uh, accessory. It's not really a figure, but it's called a battle armor snake. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's like an exosuit that you would put over a figure. It's like a white thing? Yep. Yep, so yep, yep. I'm sending it over to you. I found one of these. Now, it's not sealed, but it's mint in box. And the box looks like it's at least an 8 out of 10. Like, I'll wait until you get it and you can kind oh, yeah, of yeah, judge for it. Oh, sure. Uh, it's unpunched. And I opened it up took a look at it um the stickers that are on it they look like they were just applied like last week there's sure. no wear or anything to the stickers um there is uh there the guy said it was complete but i i noticed that it was missing like one of the hands but i was like i i, I literally got one on ebay when i got home for five bucks so it's not a big deal right um, but the the value in this is the box the fact that the box is like so pristine for a 1984 or 85, whatever toy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like the instructions are all in there and everything like that. Um, if you compare and you look on eBay, um, there is one of them that has all of the accessories still unpunched. You know how, like when you get a GI Joe, It'd be like in that little wire frame thing. Exactly. There's one of them where the, the accessories are still in the frame, but the box is destroyed. Uh, that the guy is asking like 450 bucks for. Um, and then all of the ones where they're like heavily, heavily played with and the boxes are also destroyed are in like the 170 to $200 price range. Uh, this is something that they actually had priced at 120 bucks. And I was like, again, what's the best you can do on it? And realizing that I'm going to spend 120 no matter what. I was like, I don't care if this guy doesn't go down because I know that that box by itself is worth $120. You right. know, um, so the guy was really cool. He was like, oh well, the more stuff you buy, the more deals you know we can make. I was like, I just want that. And he's like, oh, he's like maybe 110. I'm like. So hundreds possible, right? Well, I didn't say it was impossible. And so I just take out a hundred dollar bill. I literally like a nice fresh hundred dollar bill. And I did that, like not the Todd thing where you flip the ticket, but the thing where you kind of like you pull the, the piece of paper together and then you snap it, you know, <laughs> like there's like, hold on. I got a ticket here where it's like, you do that with the hundred dollar bill. And he's like, all right, all right. So, uh, I got that. Like I said, that's been on my wish list for a while. Um, I already ordered the one little hand replacement that I needed that's coming from Florida and that is detolf worthy. You need, uh, to have someone who like goes around with you as like a handler who has <laughs> the money for you. Yeah. Uh, that when you go to the, whatever it is, like they have like the, the, the Halliburton, you know, uh -huh. with all your money in it <laughs> and you open it up and you're like counting off the money out of the Halliburton. Burton for these guys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else, Joe? No, that was it. The Toxie was my last one. All right. So that was it for me for Toy Hio. Um, Like I said, if you were participating on the Twitter poll that I put up uh, earlier in this week, 
your options for the things that I bought, like how many things I bought, I said the options were zero, one to three, and four plus. The majority of the people put four plus, but I bought three items at Toy Hio. Uh, and the majority of the people also said I spent more than $200. I spent between $100 to $200. So I got off pretty easy. I would certainly say so. So with that being said, Joe, I came home with a with a thirst, with a <laughs> desire. <laughs> of course. Um, I'll just say uh, this is not a purchase, but somebody in the major pod group put up this figure and they just said, hey, would anybody be willing to trade uh, their Smart Mark Sterling autographed pod card? For this figure. And I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but back when I was on that, you know, the Patreon group that used to get the card, I got the Smart Mark autographed card. And I just don't really have a use for it. I mean, I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to throw it away, but I have a lot of marquee autographs. I'm not really that much of a card guy just because I'm like, oh, well, I would need to get other autographs to, to, to make the set. So, long story short, I was like, yeah, I'll do, I'll trade you straight up. And I'm sending you a picture of an autographed figure that I traded for. And Joe, you tell me what it is when you get it as I stall, as I wait for your Boost mobile phone to pick up the signal. Oh, come on. <laughs> hey, hey. It's a, it's a basic. It is a basic. But it's a signed basic uh, that's by uh, Heath Slater. And it says, who's Lucy? <laughs> who's Lucy? <laughs> I saw that and I was like, you know what? That puts a smile on my face that an autographed smart mark card doesn't, you know? For sure. So that was just a little deal ski that I made. Um, it comes in a defender that probably costs more than the figure does because it looks like it's a big square rigid boy. <laughs> uh, but we'll see when that comes in. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But I have one other purchase, Joe. All right. And is my last one, and we'll wrap it up. Oh, fuck me. We'll go to fucking voicemails. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will just say that I had, before I went to Toy Hio, I went to our local uh, Dixon City toy store, and I saw something that caught my eye. And I said to myself, if I don't spend a lot of money at Toy Hio, I'll probably be back for this. Um, and this flies in the face of everything that I've ever said, Joe about my collecting rules because apparently I'm a Lucy boy now and I bought because it's really the only thing that I'm missing from my very prestigious Soundwave collection. I bought a very minty, 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 minty 1984 vintage Soundwave figure. Yeah. Loose. I'm looking at that now. Loose. Now it's not like I don't have the box. It literally has the instructions. It has, uh, Laser beak. It has uh, frenzy. I think is the blue cassette that it comes with. It has all the pieces. Um, every sticker on it is pretty sweet and pristine. Uh, the rub logo, which is the thing that you like, kind of rub to show Decepticon or Autobot, is a little off center on his chest. But that wasn't a sticker that the kids would apply. That would come pre-applied from the factory. So I was able to justify that that wasn't somebody fucking up the sticker. That's just how it came. You know what I'm saying? Um, so 
it's just one of those things where I have all these sound waves in my detolfs of all these reissues of like, here's an here's one that looks original from the original mold. Here's a Japanese import and all these reimaginings. But I didn't have an original one. And uh, despite popular belief and that I'm the $100 Vansky, I cannot afford like a sealed mint in box sound wave from 84. Uh, so this was the most, next closest thing. So I got that and that is also detolf worthy. Not to poo-poo your purchase, you yeah. brought it up. I don't like the placement of that, uh, the the rub logo on the yeah. chest. I don't yeah. like it, but I get <laughs> that's the way it came from the factory. I get it. Yeah, nothing they could do about that. So, the rub logos weren't from the first run, were they? Um, I want to say that they were, like, if the first Transformers were in 84, like, 84, 85, it's kind of a mix. Yeah, but, like, the very first ones off the line were not rub logos. Okay. But the ones from my childhood were. Okay. If that makes sense. I get it. Like, if you want to say there was a running change mm -hmm. and they switched to the the rub signs. Uh, in my mind, uh, the rub logos are the originals because that's what I had as a kid. Also, if you look at any of the Walmart or Toys R Us reissues of this figure, uh, really the only way you can tell them apart is all the reissues don't have rub logos because it's cheaper to just have a sticker. Yep. Uh, so, like, it's another way to kind of immediately look at it and know that it's, like, from 84 or 85, whichever. For sure. So, uh, with that being said, yes, if I had a mint condition sealed box one, uh, I would look at the date on the box. But in lieu of that, uh, I'm fine with the the rub lo uh, the rub sign sticker. Uh, and, right, I'm with you. And I would also say the fact that it has the manual with it as well. Uh kind of would have sealed the deal of me picking it up, you know? Yeah, and not pictured because it just kind of doesn't present as well. I have the cut, like the instructions for the two cassettes. Uh, okay. They, they both have their own instructions on how to transform. Uh, there's also like a fold out like poster that's like a checklist of like, oh, here's all the other transformers you can get. And uh, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Uh, ba 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 ba. I cannot remember. Oh, the the cutout like of the stats. You know, the back of every transformer would have like their stats. It'd be yep. like, oh, like a uh, attack, you know, strength, whatever. Like it was like a little collector's card. Exactly. Uh, and they're usually like really long, but not that tall. Like kind of like a ruler. Yeah. Uh, that that was cut out, and that was in the bag as well. So nice I, little I, lot of stuff. I say a cool purchase because it had all the stuff. Yeah. And uh, just a spoiler for maybe next week, um, that was all in one bundle. Um, if you remember, like I said, Soundwave came with Laserbeak and came with Frenzy. Um, and then Ravage and Rumble were sold separately as a two-pack. Yep. Um, they have Mint in bag with the original card back and the original manual. He has just Ravage. Now, I want Ravage and Rumble, but I think it's like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. And I'm like, if I'm going to display these, really, you just need Ravage, right? You know, it was like, I can always look for the other one, but it's like a bird in hand type of deal. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's like, if I can knock out three of the four main cassettes all in one shot and it's like cheap, I might I might go back to the toy store tomorrow and buy that. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm glad you haven't uh, started a rivalry with this toy shop yet or gotten it closed down yet. 
Well, like I said last week, I got sometimes I got a little heat with them, but uh, we, we were able to work it out. Me and Todd went on a doll safari there. Uh, we filmed it for the Porch Talk vlog. Yep. Todd made a purchase. He tweeted about it. So, uh, so far, me and this toy store are okay. So far. Yep. Well, that's the end of the show, right, Joe? No, we got voicemails. God damn it. All right. We'll make it quick. We'll keep our comments to a minimum, okay? All right. Maybe. <laughs> Hello, Anna, the wrestling, the strongest man in all the land, your very featured caller. But uh, this is not about wrestling this week. Uh, but before I get into what I want to ask you all, I just want to say thank you, Adam, for coming down to uh, Gangster Rap Made Me Do It. Fun to see you. Thanks for the smokes. You definitely uh, owed me a few after what you did to me after uh, the show was over. But we won't get into details. Maybe you will. I don't know. But it's not a big deal, honestly. Anyways, we talked about Star Wars the other day, about the prequels and all that nonsense. But the show Obi-Wan Kenobi has concluded. And I have to tell you, I didn't like the Disney Star Wars movies that much, besides maybe seven. But I rather enjoyed this Obi-Wan series. Now, the writing was a bit clunky, and there were some questionable moments like, old Obi-Wan and pa uh, uh, Princess Leia in a, in a Scooby-Doo type of disguise. But <laughs> I have to say, there were some great moments, especially that finale, and I won't spoil it for anyone who's listening who hasn't watched yet, although you probably should by now. Um, I just want to know what your guys' thoughts were on Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show. And uh, that's all I really have. Taking a break from wrestling, you know, we have Plenty of time to talk about it. I feel the Obi-Wan thing is very relevant. That's all I have. You guys have a blessed day. <laughs> Before we answer Artie's question, he calls back again. Oh, okay. Hello, Ed. Uh, just Arthur again. Uh, I didn't want to make a second call this week. I don't want to, you know, hog up the, the call time. But I did have to address this. Because someone on my Instagram saw my picture of me bleeding profusely. And they commented asking, Deathmatch MacArthur? Now, this may have been serious, may not, but I just have to say, for the record, I will never, ever, ever do a death match. It's not my thing. Not everyone has to do it. Stop asking wrestlers to do death matches. We will decide that. That's pretty much all there is to it. Like, like, well, like seriously, what do you think I can bring to the table in a death match? Like, what part of my presentation says, oh, I want to see that man get lit up by a light tube. I want to see him throw someone through barbed wire. It's just not my thing. Sorry about that. All right, you guys continue on. <laughs> yeah, definitely me uh, Me and Artie are not doing death matches because I'm not subbing in for him in any Sharpie stuff. Yeah, uh, Artie, Artie's at least 15 years away from having to do a death match. <laughs> He's yeah. still got his future ahead of him. Um, I, I will just go ahead and address the thing that Artie might be a little bit mad at me about. Uh, I deny this ever happening or me taking any responsibility for it. So at one point, I'm in the vicinity of like the gimmick tables. I might have been looking at AIW merch or something like that. And I look over and I'm like, oh, there's Artie. I'm going to go say something to him. I don't remember what it was. I might have been a little drunk. But there were two girls talking to Artie. Oh, boy. And I did not go over to the table. I turned as I'm like, oh, I'm going to go talk to Artie. I saw he was talking to two girls. I stopped and I kind of hung back. 
And then, like, them just sensing that there was something weird, like, why is there another version of the guy that we're talking to over <laughs> here? They, like, immediately left. And Artie's like, you chased him away. I was like, I did not. I tried to give you space. <laughs> you know, I did the exact opposite and left you alone to your own devices. So maybe uh, the strongest man in all the land might not be the charmingest man in all the land, if that's a word. But uh, I tried to give him some room there, and he blew it, not me. And I liked Obi-Wan just okay. Finale was awesome, but the rest of it was kind of meh. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to watch the finale yet. I have to watch it right before I record the comic book show. Because okay. if I watch it now, even if I take notes, which I do, I'll forget that I watched it, you know? Fair enough. Um, the, I enjoy Obi-Wan. It's fine. Um, I think the biggest failing of the Obi-Wan show is that it tries to make the prequels mean something. Yeah. <laughs> and I know already said that he didn't enjoy the Disney movies that have come out since. And I would say for the most part, I liked them. Um, I liked seven. Um, I liked nine. Eight was come or go. Um, I really liked, uh, what was the run? The, the rogue squadron one, uh, rogue one and solo Ron. Howard I liked rogue was, one yeah. solo was okay, but solo like, uh, I saw it in the theaters, and, like, it was shot, like, way too dark, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it set up some stuff that they haven't touched on yet. And I think it was probably because that movie was such a mess to get made. But, uh, yeah, uh, make new stuff. Don't try to make me think that the prequels are good, because they're not. <laughs> Fair enough. But thank you, uh, Artie. We'll see yes. you soon, maybe. Uh, good luck in that uh Bring home those tag team straps. That's <laughs> right. Beat beat the broski boys. Yeah. All right. Next call. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. Uh, so I'm watching Dynamite. And uh, we were having – I have a little group chat for wrestling stuff going on, as I'm sure you guys do as well. And the point has been made about how AEW is showcasing and, and booking and everything for a lot of the New Japan talent coming in for Forbidden Door. Now, I'm not the expert that Adam is right. in Japanese wrestling, <laughs> so for him, it's probably just it's very easy. Um, and I know yes. a lot of guys that watched a little Osprey in a few matches last weekend that were great, none of which were in AEW, so that doesn't do anything to help. I've watched Switchblade matches that were really good on New Japan and on Impact. And, like, it, there's this example after example of, like, Okay, AEW, and pay-per-view is going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. They'll make a ton of money. But they're not really doing a good job of giving, giving I don't want to say casual fans, giving the AEW audience that does not watch New Japan, they're not giving them a reason to care or giving them a connection. And I feel that that's very detrimental. But do the fans have to do some work? You know, when when you have someone get into comics and they're like, oh, I don't know where to begin. Joe and I are near the same age. Uh, I began by reading, like, official handbooks of Marvel Universe and DC Who's Who. And, you know, doing stuff like that to learn about stories that I missed. Like, I, I was willing to do the work to enjoy this thing that I was discovering. So I think if you're a wrestling fan, you are willing to do some work, YouTube and whatever, but how much are they supposed to know? So I, I guess my question is, like, uh, for both of you, how much are you already familiar with talent like this coming on? 
but also how much do you expect uh, viewers to know? Like, how much work is there? What's what's your basic 101 Japanese wrestling knowledge that an average fan is supposed to have here? You know, I, I think it's very... I, I kind of think, like, they're not doing a great job of introducing this. And maybe that uh, countdown to Forbidden Door that's going to air after Rampage will help. But I'm, I'm going to love the show, but I just feel like I'm missing something. I, I feel like I needed a teacher here, and they didn't provide one. Uh, so that's kind of my rant this week. Looking forward to the show. Looking forward to uh, Forbidden Door and everything else going on for wrestling. Um, maybe I'm just too easy on AEW, but I feel like this show exists to cater to people that might already know about New Japan or are going into it saying, I just want to see good wrestling. Like, you don't need a storyline to explain why, like, Okada's wrestling or why, you know, Mox is wrestling, uh, you know, for the, the, the world t- interim world title. Like, I feel like if you go into this not knowing anything about the Japanese stars, and maybe you're really impressed by somebody. And maybe you're like, oh, shit, I really like this Will Ospreay guy. Where can I see more of him? Or, you know, conversely, maybe you are a New Japan fan and you're watching AEW for the first time, and you're like, I've never seen Orange Cassidy before. Where can I see more of him? I don't think you need to build up storylines or give like a backstory explaining who people are. I think the the matches themselves could do the, the heavy lifting. Yeah. And I think we addressed a lot of Kevin's concerns earlier in the show. Um, and I get where he's coming from. I think maybe if they did something a little bit earlier, whether it be on the YouTube channel or devoted an episode of dark, or, you know, they do these specials immediately after rampage leading up to the pay-per-views. Maybe if they did something a little bit sooner, um, to help get some folks more acclimated with um, New Japan stuff, but it's too late now. You're either in or you're out, you know? Yeah, and plus a lot of, with whether it be injuries or just not knowing who's available or just for whatever reason, poor planning, a lot of these matches are thrown together over the last week or two, and it's hard to, like, you couldn't do a special saying, here's Okada, when you didn't reveal that he was going to wrestle until yesterday. Exactly. You know? So you're kind of painting yourself into a corner if you're not, you know, building this up over the last month. Right. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Next call. Hey, Joe and Adam, what's happening? It's uh, phony, phony, uh, scary skeleton man, uh, Leah Valley homeless LARPer, uh, car hallucinator, Kenny from Mystery Man. I'm uh, currently standing outside the White Eagle Hall in Jersey City, New Jersey, hoping to say hello to the specter of Phil Baroni. But uh, one question I got to know is, uh, Joe, who is at the top of Big Bigfoot? <laughs> I got to know who's pushing who's pushing the Bigfoot narrative and who's at the top of the food chain. Thanks, <laughs> Ron Voyage. <laughs> So if you listen to Pod Van Dam like the last two weeks, uh, it was a bridge too far for Ed to believe that bi- people believe that Bigfoot is real. And I obviously believe that there are people that believe Bigfoot is real, but obviously I think that it goes much higher that there's people that use that to capitalize on the people that think Bigfoot is real and create the whole whatever. 
And I do definitely think that there is like a cottage industry, like the people who run like those Bigfoot hunting weekends. They're the ones that are behind it and perpetrate it and kind of keep the mythos alive. And I think it just goes back to, you know, your old, like, people who listen to Coast to Coast or used to watch the inserts of sh- in, in Search of TV show. Yeah. Back from the 70s that they just decided to make this their life. And then at some point, they kind of came to the realization, like, I'm getting nowhere with believing that Bigfoot is real, but I think I could use what I've learned to convince other people that Bigfoot is real and make a shitload of money doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like they're they're carnies and they're working people. Exactly. I don't think it's any one person in particular, but I definitely think it's older folks that have kind of acquired that knowledge over time and are using it to exploit... Uh, Less intelligent folks. <laughs> All right. Last call, and then we're wrapping everything up. Yeah, we'll... The, uh, we'll, the we'll... Dwight of our show, it's Pink Button time. All right. Hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. Um, getting my call in late this week, because normally I call my second break on Thursdays, but we got sent home because the electric went out. That was fucking cool as shit. Um... Adam, it was nice seeing you this weekend at uh, AIW in Toy Hill. I'm sure we've heard all about that, um, at least what you can remember. <laughs> um, so listen to this. At Toy like before things are open, I'm helping set up barbecue, and I see Ethan Page walk by. And I like Ethan Page a lot. And he's carrying two Power Rangers action pals. For people who don't know, they're like a like a plush gimmick, but they have like a hard plastic head. They're dope. They're my favorite piece of Power Rangers merch. And now that I don't have children, um, like in the sense I'm not dating somebody, which, not in a potato way. I'm just not <laughs> dating somebody with kids now. Um, I was like, oh, I can probably start to build back that toy collection, and I have fears of stuff getting opened. So I was like, Ethan, where'd you get those action pals? Because I would like to buy some. And he pointed at the table and he said, right over there. And as he's just about to walk away, he's like, I got the last one. <laughs> and just kept walking. And that was dope. Um, somebody stole our tip jar. From the barbecue place uh, at Toy Ohio. That was not dope. Um, so I guess um, Adam... Did you see anything at Toy Ohio that you wanted that was just, like, not in the price range because you're a responsible adult? <laughs> and for Joe, my question is, um, what jobs can I expect from Dusty Zodes coming up on primetime wrestling? He's owned a taco truck, and he pumped gas. Is there, is, did I miss any, like, before the taco – not taco truck, the whole-ass restaurant. Did I miss any before the taco restaurant? Um – I'm just really intrigued by this whole thing where it's like five minutes of Dusty Rhodes doing jobs, like physical labor. And then at the end, they kind of think it might be Dusty Rhodes. Like the whole gimmick is he's not famous. It's really fucking good. I like it a lot. Okay, bye. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I heard that story about Ethan Page. Ed told me that at the uh, at the barbecue stand. But that sucks about your tip jar, man. I hope that you just stole the jar and not all the money. Like if they do the gimmick where you kind of scoop it out every so often so there's just a dollar or two in there. I don't know. Uh, let us know next week as one of your phone calls. But uh, uh, there wasn't anything that was like, oh, man, I wish I could buy that, but I can't afford it. Uh, and I don't mean that to like brag or anything like that. It's just like. If I want something I think I've shown on this show, I will find a way to get it. Um, but I will say that I came uh, kind of close to making a big boy purchase, and I didn't bring this up during that part. Um, Mint on card Hasbros, as you know, are pretty expensive now. And one of them that I kind of want, and I don't, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the show, is I want a Macho King Mint on card. Okay. And because in my memory, I think that's the first one I remember buying with my own money. Like, as I remember, just Hasbro's would just show up for like Christmas and birthday and stuff like that. But the first one that I remember going to like our local Hills store and buying was the Macho King. Plus, it's just a badass figure. But somebody had one mint on card and I saw the price and it was like 300 bucks, which isn't bad. And I went and I looked at it and I was like, if this thing is... I don't want to say mint, but if this thing's like eight or higher, I'm buying it. Uh, and I looked at it and like the card was like a five. <sighs> and I'm just like, nah, nah, I'm not. You know, I would rather spend double the price and get one that's mint than like just buy like one that's cheap because the card is bad. You know, like, right. I'm not, I'm not going to rip it off the card and put it on a shelf like an idiot. I want to keep it on the card. Uh, but I, I, before I got a closer look, you know, before I asked to see it, I almost spent $300 on a Macho King Hasbro. Oh, <laughs> I was going to guess just you saying it, it was probably gonna be about four. I assume like any of them from that, the, the first two sets, like the singles, um, usually probably run like three to five. Yeah. I mean, on... was a Macho King, because I know there was a Macho Man first. So Macho King maybe was Series 3. I don't know. Whichever. But uh, I think it was just priced accordingly because the card was bad. And I just had no idea, you know? Right. Anyways. And then Ed's other question there was, because Ed is doing a rewatch of 1989 Primetime Wrestling. I don't know why, but I love it. <laughs> Anytime anybody watches old wrestling, I, it makes me very happy. Uh. Um, and this is Dusty Rhodes coming in to World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, so the ones that, the, the vignettes that Ed missed were uh, Dusty working at a gas station, uh, Dusty working at a butcher shop, where they, they did it literally, it had to be one take, because the guy who actually ran the butcher shop was very obviously corpsing the whole time and looking directly into the camera. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to give away the closing line of it, but uh, if you know Dusty and you know uh, like uh, potty humor, you can guess what it is regarding D Dusty Rhodes being a butcher. Uh, Dusty was also a pizza man where he delivers pig feet pizza. And then he's also a plumber where he goes to what I'm almost 99% sure the woman in the skit is, uh, Linda McMahon. Oh yeah. And he comes to clean the toilet and he comes in or to fix the toilet and dust the whole, all these things are one takes and Dusty says crazy shit to try to crack the other person in the skit. And he asks, asks the woman of the toilet skit, and he says, what are we looking, and I'm not going to do the full Dusty impersonation, but he's like, what are we looking at in the toilet? Is it 
a chocolate brown color. <laughs> and the woman dies. She fucking loses it. And they just keep going, right? All yeah. one takes. Uh, so you have all those to look forward to. As I mentioned, Ed, uh, I did tweet at him that there's an episode in their build to their match at SummerSlam. Uh, Dusty Rhodes and the Honky Tonk Man have a sing-off that Honky Tonk Man very clearly wins. Dusty does a very bad job at singing. Um, there's a lot of other good stuff. There's the there's, there's a super hot Rick Rude uh, Roddy Piper angle that builds into SummerSlam. Uh, it was really weird at the time, too, because, like, that 89 SummerSlam, if you remember it, that's Macho and Zeus against Hogan and Beefcake Barber. Yeah. So the TV, like, the week beforehand, like, the t- like so SummerSlam used to be on Mondays. Um, the TV the week before SummerSlam was setting up all the programs that were coming out of SummerSlam. So you already knew, like, finishes of matches because, like, they start setting up, like, the Andre the Giant versus Ultimate Warrior program. So we're like, okay, well, if we're setting up Andre versus Ultimate Warrior, then Ultimate Warrior is obviously winning his match. Primetime Wrestling is setting up Roddy Piper versus Rick Rude. We're like, okay, well, looks like Roddy Piper is going to do something to cause Rick Rude to lose, and that's where that program is going to go. So it was a really weird time in WWF at that, you know – just the way that like the TV was set up and it kind of gave away some of the finishes, even if you weren't smart, uh, you know, like me being 12 years old, it's like, no, oh, that's weird that they're doing this when like these other things haven't finished up yet at the pay-per-view. Yeah. No, I gotcha. It's just odd that Ed would choose this to watch. That's my only question. He he said he likes it for the gorilla and Bobby banter and I can't blame him. That's no. good stuff. Yep. Fair enough. I, I, I rescind my question. <laughs> All right. So that's it. That's enough show. Too goddamn much. It's almost three hours long. Oof. I know. I said at the top of the show it's going to be two hours plus, and I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> I might have had a drinky poo that made me forget about the uh, phone calls, but oh. <laughs> uh, we got them in. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Episode 195, At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying everyone still be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.